right, guys. Um, I hope you guys can hear me. I thought I would start this space <clears throat> with something completely off topic before I delve into this. Um, uh, on the Nest, I've shared the graphic from the uh, write-up that I did, but I think walking people through is a lot easier so they can understand because a lot gets lost. I don't want to say in translation, but you know, when we write things, uh, sometimes we don't um, understand fully what the other person is saying. Before I get into that, I wanted to say, you know, I'm a person that stands by every single thing I tweet, every single thing I say. I'm extremely unapologetic, but sometimes I have to, you know, accept the fact that I delve into the more not so nicely side. So as we all know, Steve Crowder is going through things, right? And um, I was actually, and I have to admit this, and, you know, I do this uh, for those that know me, but, you know, there was a video that was leaked where he and his wife showed their dynamics not being so nice, and he showed a side of himself that I'm pretty sure he doesn't want the world to see. And all of us at some point in our, in our lives have been in that spot. And so I shared the Ring video and I deleted it from Twitter and, um, and Truth Social for that reason. Um, you know, it's his private moment. And, and the thing is, I have so much stuff on people that I don't share. But for me, it was personally driven, okay, because he, as well as others, knew exactly the lawfare I was going through to the T and still mocked me for it. And they also knew what I was going through in my personal life and mocked me for it. So I just want to kind of put it out there that that's not the way anybody should respond, no matter how much somebody hurt us. So I just wanted to say it and get that out of the way because, you know, it was wrong. Well, okay, it was wrong, but it felt really good. So I just wanted to put it out there. Um, on So th there goes that. I wanted to get that out of the way. Now, Let's start with this Mar-a-Lago raid, okay? The raiding of President Trump is something that I talked about um, on my show before the raid even happened. And that's because I have very good relationships with a lot of people, um, and they kind of said, you know, they're, they were upset, and this is why they came. You know, obviously we converse on other topics, right? But they said, you know, they, they don't feel okay with this because it feels too structured without saying much and that there was a warrant and that they were going to raid President Trump. Now, which location? No one knew. So at that point, around July 10th, everybody I knew that I consider important, um, I, you know, let them know. I even I, I think I even DM Steve. And I was like, he was like, you're ridiculous. No one would ever raid him. That's impossible. I said, look, you know, whatever. Started to question, you know, the information when I saw that, you know, at least five business days have passed and he's not raided. And I didn't understand, right? I didn't understand. I knew my sources are stellar. So I didn't understand and I didn't want to reach out because I didn't know if it was something that someone could see that we're talking. So I kind of just left it. So while I was in New York... Um, I was taking a look to see what Letitia and Bragg were up to and meeting with sources there. And just so happened that President Trump was there too because he was invited to go to Letitia James's office. 
And while I was there, I got word that, you know, he was raided and he's being raided. And so, you know, the person I was with was like, shit, you knew about this a month ago. I said, look, it wasn't a month ago. Well, it was close a month ago, right? (laughs) But for me, the question was, why did they wait if they had it, right? So it didn't make sense. You know, the raid could have been just something stupid. Garland signed off, but they always have to stick to the book. And I'll show you how. Let's put it this way. Let's take a hiatus and talk about the crazy DHS disinformation, Nina, right? I got word this morning that she is literally at my office at GCHQ, my old office, probably in my office room. And disinformation, as you all know, or investigating American citizens in Amer- you know, on American soil is illegal, right? They can't. They have to have warrants, pen registers, active investigations, secret subpoenas, you know, the whole nine yards. There's a whole process to get this done. So, but if you're overseas and you're surveilling someone, there's a different process for that. So something people don't know is that this Nina chick, she did register as a uh, registered agent, is, you know, around this weird NGO called Center for Informati. So I wanted to just point out that there's always, by telling you this, I don't want to discuss that topic. I just wanted you guys to know that this is one method that they use to skirt around, unless it's Donald Trump and you need to get him really bad. And, you know, I hope my article was able to demonstrate to you um, just how organized they were and how they weaponized NARA, right? And how weaponized the the NARA was. Uh, and how the J6 committee was part of this too. And so I, I put together kind of a timeline with significant events. I've, I've shared that in the nest along with the article for those that didn't read it. And I was inspired to actually call this an operation called Spyfall, you know, um, because this is, this is what I would coin when you take down a RICO operation of, you know, corrupt SESs conducting covert activities, you know, playing spy, I guess. Um, and this is how they fall. So within the intelligence community, I've said this so many times, I think people are bored of me saying it. You guard information like nobody's business because you don't know what piece what critical component for someone to understand the whole picture is missing. Now, having said that, it's not about who done it, right, or why they done it. It's how. And so for, for me, I wanted to find out the how. And it, just my luck, you know, this DHS contract appeared and it made everything make sense, right? So I'll, I'll take it from the top. So from I have a uh, I had communications from someone at NARA, uh, a friend of mine. He's a career right uh, back a couple years ago that I kind of reread, you know, going through my files, and you know it was stunning to see how I missed it. You know, um, he explained to me through our communications how his agency is becoming weaponized and politicized and it was totally against he was a huge fan of the special assistant to the 10th 
and the ninth archivist uh, of the United States. The guy's name is Sam. He actually died from cancer. I actually looked him up more uh, because I was going to post the picture and I wanted to get to know him too. And that actual picture is from his own personal blog that he left behind before he died. And, you know, in that picture, you'll see um, something that he wanted to leave with all future employees of NARA, which is, you know, when you do something, you have to ask three questions. Is someone's life in danger? Will someone lose a substantial amount of money or will someone lose their job over this? Right. So those were the key points. And David Ferriero, uh, an Obama appointee simply by statements made in January should have sent spidey senses flying saying that he was paying attention to the president, you know, getting on, you know, getting leaving and having a banker's box with him. Right. And he was like confused. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know. So this orchestration was in tandem with the J six committee's investigation. And you would say, well, did they plan it? Oh, yes, they did. Um, J6 was already sussed out. Um, there were a couple wild cards, like people running their own operations, upon operations, but that'll come out with the J6 documentary. Uh, but the timing of when they raided the president and how they started it was key, right? Because I knew that they were going to raid him. They had a warrant, you know, a month before they raided him. Why was it delayed? And now it makes sense. So back in the day, I had written an article how, you know, James Comey came out and said, oh, Hillary Clinton, you know, she didn't have bad intentions, so she's totally cool, right? But that was stated two days after a contract with CrowdStrike had ended, and the only reason I saw the contract with CrowdStrike was because um, – he had submitted a payment or else it would have been ghosted, right? It wouldn't have come up, you know, as pertinent. When contracts are usually closed, they're at the bottom of the list, you know, of, of when you're searching them on the Fed biz base, right? So he had made the error to pay them, you know, two days after he, air quote, acquitted Hillary Clinton. So this is one of the same. I guess they understood, DHS understood, that closing the contract first is important and allowing a buffer time is also important. So as I looked at it, I realized that CMN LLC has been in operation since 2008. The, the owner is named Charles Michael Nally. He goes by the name of Mitch. You know, he's been you know, serving his country in various capacities as a federal contractor and um, shares the same motto as another very hyped up, very sought out after for surveillance stuff and building out networks called Mission First. Uh, they share the same motto, which is we do what others won't. So having said that, the FBI was very smart because in January of 2021, they earwigged that they had someone from the White House that went to Mar-a-Lago and claimed that they had documents. So that is where the story begins. They had already planned to nail him on documentation because they need to know what he has, what personal communications he had, what does he know, who is he working with, what kind of profiles did he do. They need everything. Because the one thing President Trump was good at was cafe 
keeping him in the dark with microblogging, I guess. So Nara, and I'm going to read this statement to you, and I have it in my article, which will blow your mind that, you know, no spotty senses went off when that was said. Actual statement of the 10th archivist of the United States was like, it was terrible. He said in his, well, not his statement, his letter of resignation that he sent to Biden was, it's been an honor of a lifetime to serve my country once more, this time to lead the executive branch agency charged with ensuring that the American people can hold their government accountable and learn from the past by accessing the records of our country. Now, the accessing the records of our country is correct, but nowhere is it stated that NARA is a watchdog. They are simply a repository of our recorded history. Their job is to make sure that we have documented history, that we have access to all communications that our elected officials, no matter what level of elected official they are, that they oversee, is documented. And that's something that was changed by Obama as well, um, which is highly concerning, too, because making digital alterations is a lot easier than getting rid of paper records. And for those of you that have never been to the NARA building, you know, there are some hidden pigeonholes there with some amazing treasures that would, you know, kind of make you stop for a moment and say, wow, that actually happened. I'm touching this right now. And so and so touched it. So it's, it, it should be a big honor for any librarian to actually get a job there. But to weaponize an office that's supposed to be completely impartial, right, is insane. So starting with NARA, the foot, the tone was set, right? The tone was set where the actual 10th archivist of the United States said this when asked about President Trump's departure. I can remember watching the Trumps leaving the White House and getting off in the helicopter that day and someone carrying a white banker box and saying to myself, what the hell's in that box? So you have to wonder, okay, he's an archivist, you know, he sees banker boxes all the time, right? But why would you say that? Obviously, he said it to the Washington Compost, right? Of course. But that is also when he announced his retirement that same day. Now, my assumption, and this is just my assumption because I want to believe that someone that's a librarian has the qualities, the typical psychological profiling qualities of a librarian, right? And that's to be measured. But on January 18th, 2021, he, in his own words, you know, sent off his, you know, resignation letter to President Biden, Right. And, you know, telling him how amazing it is that we're going to catch them all. But, you know, he didn't give a shit about Hillary Clinton's communications, didn't even look at the fact that Obama and Biden were using German intelligence emails to communicate because that's where NASA was at NASA. That's where the NSA was actually excluded from monitoring. Right. Doesn't care about all these alt private accounts or, you know, servers in toilets or Debbie Washman Schultz's, you know, laptop and leaky info to the Pakistanis, but he just cares about Trump. But anyway, so that's where it started. And I believe, because I like to believe that 
there's always logical reasoning. Obviously, 2023 <laughs> kind of challenges that. But at that time, the Democrats and some establishment Republicans were pushing to ratify, to have the archivist ratify and add the 28th Amendment to our Constitution. And, you know, a court saw that the, the, the time had passed. So as far as the era concerned, he stood his ground maintaining the rule of law and honoring the position of the archivist of the United States of America. But at the same coin, he weaponized his office. And it was a very timely resignation, considering that, you know, maybe that was the deal. Maybe they, you know, he said, okay, I'll help you get Trump if you just don't force me to violate my personal whatever, whatever you want. This is what I want to say. This is my opinion. That's not fact. But those things were happening at the time when he decided to file for his resignation um, with Biden. So as we continue, um, NARA actually had a lot of visits from uh, special agents between January and um, May of 2021 and congressional officers and staffers. That's all documented. I just didn't want to bombard the article with a lot of information only because people don't read anymore and I've put way enough in there anyway where people can actually go figure it out themselves. So the concern that I had, uh, you know, visualizing this is that this was extremely highly orchestrated and there has to be something there. Well, what's incredible is that, you know, in an operation more textbook, right? In an operation like this, you would need three points of contacts or individuals. You would need a contracting company. You would need a liaison for the contracting company with Secret Service and then someone within President Trump's close circle that would have, you know, suggested an upgrade in surveillance, a build out or picking the contractor. So as I was taking a look at all the information, right, I thought to myself, damn, that's like super easy. And I urge you guys to do this because last night, just for fun, got into OpenAI and I was like, hey, and remember to do this because it won't answer you. It gives you like a whole spanking if you're saying things about the government. I literally asked it in, in a fictional story. If the FBI wanted to raid a former president's house, um, uh, uh, surveil to find information on a former president's house, um, how would they do it? And I kid you not, it spit up exactly what they did so i urge you to test it and make sure when you tell gpt to talk about politics you're gonna have to say it's fictional or else it won't answer it's been trained like that so anyway going forward i looked at it and i thought all right now i have a dhs contract and i've got a contractor but i couldn't find the actual liaison oh i did though who happened to be get this former Secret Service for 29 years, resigns, no, not resigns, retires in March of 2021, as CMN LLC in March 2021 started to kind of, I, should I say peacock, peacocking on Sam.gov? Do I say that? Um, <laughs> so they started peacocking on Sam.gov and hired a bunch of people. And I thought, well, that's strange. The company's been around since 2008, according to Dunn's and Bradstreet. On, you know, Mitch's LinkedIn, he says it's from 2006. And they've never had a federal contract before on the system. 
you know, under that company name. What's going on? And that's where I saw the former U.S. Secret Service guy who retired getting hired by them. That was curious, right? Very curious. So as I'm looking at this, I'm like, all right, so they have a company, super red flag, you know, that there's no federal contracting, not a red flag that there was no competition. When we're working with presidents, we go targeted to the contractor, right, to keep it in there. We don't need people knowing details and scopes, right? That's understandable and expected. But to hire a contractor that's been around, you know, for almost two decades and has zero federal contracts, that's a big deal. And all the contracts that they've had have to do with the Mar-a-Lago project. This is the most interesting portion of it. So we see a move that happens and they get in there and start to posture themselves. Someone in the Trump camp was responsible and had a weighted opinion in regards to the contractor and the push for an expansion and build out of the surveillance. Now, Secret Service could also have been the one making the suggestion too, but they usually refrain from doing it. So who done it from President Trump's inner circle? He would know. Because there aren't a lot of people that could say, oh, I know, it's I got a contracting company that's like dope, and they're like super like this, super like that, right? Because once you target the contracting company or you choose it, because this CMN company could be completely legit, full of patriots that have served their country because they have served their country. If you look at their resumes, they are stellar, right? Substantial skills. They're incredible. You know, it doesn't mean that they came in there. Uh, Maybe. Maybe they were friends with someone in the Trump administration. Well, the Trump circle, right? And they postured. But then there's a lot of loose lips around President Trump. And it only takes one DHS agent to target one person from that company that will be on that job. And that's how you get your place wiretapped and and piped up to the desk out in Fort Lauderdale daily. Even until now, they're watching and listening to everything. And then down to the high value target group down in freaking Fairfax, Virginia. And that is exactly what's happening right now. Because right now, that company also got a brand new contract starting January that ends in 2024. How convenient, right? They failed, so they're going on for seconds. So it's, it's, it's really important that um, we pay attention to the little details. And I hope I, 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 I laid that out in the article. Um, where do I start with it? I mean, you know, I, I really wanted Boris Epstein to be the fall guy, like he's the guy, but he's not that smart. Can't say he is. He's not that smart. And, you know, and and the feds don't need anything else on him. They've got a FISA warrant on him because they're assuming that he's like a double agent. And there's also an active financial crimes investigation. So they've got enough tabs on him with pen registers and warrants. So he would be a burnt card to use. And it would be over abuse of, you know, a targeted individual or whatever. And then I'd like to see Roger Stone. Yes, he likes to hang out with dirty people. Yes, for some reason, you know, he brought a child groomer into the inner circles of President Trump. Yes, you know, he's cut a deal with the government when they were going to take him down for financial crimes that were legitimate, by the way, when Mueller put him in a hot box. And I guess his only job is to report back. That's why you see him in President Trump's camp and Robert Kennedy and in General Flynn. Like, he's everywhere just reporting back. But I don't think that 
anyone would take his word of saying, I've got a good contracting company for surveillance is as, as gospel. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out, but I mean, common sense says, you know, if he was like, yeah, there's like this really cool surveillance company that did a lot of surveillance in Iraq under Petraeus and General Jones and freaking McChrystal, you should hire them. You know, no one would listen because they'd be like, how do you know? Shut up. But it's got to be someone that has military experience, DOD experience, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is how they wrapped them up. They had illegal footage that they received from this contractor to prompt um, you know, more of an investigation This started in 2021. The contractors were in, in August of 2021. And that's why the NARA conversation started to heat up, you know, in the fall of 2021 with it peaking at the beginning of 2022. Well, where NARA made a suggestion, you know, to the DOJ, you need to go investigate because their stuff, which was all posturing because the FBI, you know, already had the video footage and they could just see boxes and no big deal. Now, what's interesting is yesterday, Trump's attorneys sent a, a letter saying, you know, you even admit that there's classified documents, you know, commingled with stupid things. It's like, you know, if you grab stuff from my desk, right? Right now, you're going to find, I don't know, train derailment data. But in that, it could be my, my health insurance bill, right? Or in there could be, you know, my social security card and I just chuck it in the box, so their 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 statements um, were pretty valid because that happens all the time that, you know, since they were so sloppily in the box and not touched, it could have just been someone just wiping a desk off and just putting documents in, which is understandable. Um, but I'm of the fact that it could have been that there was also planting going on because here's the thing. If they had targeted this company and that employee and not my job to speak, because then I'd have to reveal my methods, right? Then, you know, what's to say that the person didn't plant it? We don't know, right? We have no idea. We can't tell. Now, is there anything dangerous there? No. Does the president of the United States have to, you know, do some ex extraordinary gymnastics or paperwork or um, how, how shall I say proclamations to declassify something no unless it's about the montauk file pigs bay jfk stuff like that usually it's never announced he just waves his hand and says nope now it's declassified president trump could literally as president walk into the white house grab a stack of documents chuck them out onto the rose garden and say they're declassified and that's actually established law uh, marbury um from back in the day so done so you know, it was mind boggling to see just how they game this out. They put in the people to record the video and the audio, right? Then they amplified the situation. So they planted first the seed. Hey, someone said that you had, you know, all of these documents. So then Nara jumped on it. J6 jumped on it because they needed to see his communications. Are you seeing that we now have Congress that promotes spying on people and working together. I guarantee you there are communications between them. I've stumbled upon one with the House and DHS regarding Mar-a-Lago. And so in the article, I've put the contract ID so you can see it yourself. 
I also noticed the discrepancy that work that was being done in Mar-a-Lago was stated that it was going to be done in Palm Beach, Florida, but on the system, they had logged it in as Washington, D.C., and that's key. One, someone may say, oh, it was just a mistake. Bullshit. Your head rolls with that stuff. The OMB is not very happy with records uh, having such discrepancies. The only time you would do that, I'm telling you, is when you want to cover the location of the work because maybe you're going through court or you have a grand jury going on. Okay? So they were they are literally still spying on President Trump right now as we speak, right? Through his own surveillance systems that are being built. And 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 that's what's the most insane thing uh, uh, that I have come across because I, I don't think anyone should be okay with this, no matter where they sit. Now, I've, I've shared the article, um, if you guys have any questions, because I've been in this for like a couple of days, and it took me forever to write it out because there are so many intricacies. But I'd love to answer questions that you might have that have popped up on it, um, That because there's a lot more information that I just didn't put it on there. Uh, but one thing before I just let whoever wants to speak... Um, you know, Obama's literally running the show, you guys. I was in D.C. this past week and speaking to friends um, from all agencies. And it's increasingly apparent to almost everyone that Obama's running the show. Um, the position of archivist is still open. There's an acting one that should be an incumbent, but she's totally not going to be. Um, but Obama's calling the shots like right now you know with the archivist position and the FA obviously it's acting can you see that because there's probably an investigation into this are you paying attention see sometimes you have to let people do corrupt shit so you can catch them okay but anyway I digress so the FAA administrative position is also open you guys and you know what's funny that Pete Buttigieg can't fill it because his requirement is not to have enough a white male do it he doesn't care what it is as long as it's not a white male so, uh, you know, this is why our planes are grounded. This is why everything's going tits up there. And guess what? And Obama's pushing his own people. And in fact, I was at um, the Capitol. Um, I can't say the location. I was somewhere. And someone said, geez, you know, I just can't stand it anymore. Fucking Obama's bullying us to do what he wants. And then to see the videos of Biden saying, I thought I, could, I would give orders, but I'm taking them. I was like, damn, he's really putting on the heat because Obama knows Joe's done and he's toast. So now he needs to find out who's going to go and take that place now because they can't control it anymore. Um, so on that note, um, feel free to jump in. Okay, anybody have a question? I think everybody's just kind of in awe. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't hear the beginning of it. But uh, as far as the president's power to declassify, it's quote unquote plenary. That's found in the Constitution. So the, yeah, exactly. the, president's, the, pres, the Presidential Records Act that uh, is being cited in respect to the Mar-a-Lago raid uh, is, is a law that the president himself is not subject to. But senators and vice presidents like Biden and Pence are subject to. That's why the Mar-a-Lago raid thing will never will, will never affect a 
the election or or Trump. It's it's a total bullshit allegation. Well, yeah, no, I agree. And I know like when everyone was talking about, um, you know, the whole Alvin Bragg thing, I think I was telling you that, Gavin, too, and you too, Jennifer, at some point, that that's not even the goal. They don't even want criminal charges in New York. They're trying. So this guy, you know, Smith, right, started his investigation. Get this from overseas. He was appointed and he was overseas looking at the Danish documentary that Roger Stone had with his Dane friends running around with him. Right. Taping everything from J6. So because he allegedly broke his foot. No, he was over there overseas because that's how you circumvent U.S. laws to spy on United States citizens. Anyone else believing anything just because you broke your foot doesn't mean you have to stay there. But anyway, so it's it, it started there. And, and, and the Smith guy is also in on this raid thing, also in on the J6. And this is how they're tying the Georgia charges. Right. They're bringing in the Georgia charges. They're going to dovetail them and make it one big thing. So they're just looking for anything and they can't find anything on him that would stick. So the raid was something that they necessitated because they needed to make sure that they could tie President Trump to the storming of the Capitol when they already know that the majority of the storming was planned by their own career employees in the federal government, in addition to assets within our movement that did it because you know they ignored the fact that the feds were in there anyway okay <laughs> so um brandon your hands up go ahead yeah so i've been listening the whole time um although my app keeps crashing here and there anyways uh you the secret service guy you never mentioned his name oh, um and, and uh, I've been having a lot of luck tracing down these folks through the LLCs and S corps they set up when they're expecting to be able to funnel some money through tax loopholes and uh, avoid paying taxes on it as well. And yeah, well, so yeah, I'd definitely be interested to I have just, you looked into that. Yeah, let's parlay on this. So number one, I just wanted to say thank you for that. The names, the guy's name is actually Roger K. I keep saying Robert. It's Roger K. And he resigned on March 21st, 2021. Not resigned, retired from almost 29 years. It was 28 years and 11 months as a senior, you know, official uh, physical security specialist for Secret Service. And then at the, in the same month, he creates his own, you know, Homeland Security International LLC, which is a dead end. Um, and then he also, you know, partakes in joining CMN LLC, where he actually played the role of U.S. Secret Service liaison with President Trump's circle and Secret Service. So what's bizarre is that he was then rehired by Secret Service in February 2022. So how do you retire and then get rehired? I mean, that happens. But then he was rehired at a lower rank, too, according to his, you know, um, LinkedIn, which, again, I think the guy is like not that smart because there he is mentioning Chris Cooper, you know, who's who's been like forever. He's a retired U.S. Secret Service. He clearly says, and I put it in the article just to show the stupidity of something. Congratulations. It's nice to see a network of former TSD wizards working together. Great to hear and see. And it's like, okay, that's totally not a professional way to put it. Like, why would you say that on LinkedIn if you're looking for a job? I'm just saying, for me, it would have been like, yeah, no. 
Uh, so Roger Kay is um, was hired to be the U.S. Secret Service uh, liaison for the contracting company CMN, which CMN stands for Charles Michael um, Nally. And as I said, he goes by the name of Mitch. And I think his actual company, not the CMN one, is Mission First because they send they they share the same motto. But it could just be that he likes the motto and he's emulating a company that he contracts with too. So that could be it too. Um, uh, thanks for that. Um, and oh, Bo- oh, Brandon's gone. Okay, <laughs> Bobby, your hands up. Go ahead. Hi. Well, awesome, awesome work. Really, um, like in awestruck here. Can you explain the um, a little bit about the 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 mystery behind the ba- the banker box? Okay, uh, it's not a mystery, right? It's not a mystery. It's the fact that the tenth archivist of the United States, the first statement he made, right? The first statement he made um, to the Washington Post when discussing President Trump's departure from the White House was that. You know, and I put the quote in there and linked it up to the article to WAPO. He said, I can remember watching the Trumps leaving the White House and getting off the helicopter that day and someone carrying a white banker box and saying to myself, what the hell is in that box? Like, who does that? Nobody does that. Nobody sees someone moving from the White House with a box and says, I wonder what's in there. Now, one can say he's an archivist and, you know, that's a that's something that he would pay attention to because that's all he gets is a bunch of banker boxes. Right. But on the other hand, that was the kickoff for what they were organizing with the the, the J6 Congressional Committee, um, because it was after that, after Biden took office, that they started visiting NARA offices, you know, and having these conversations. So that was the point of it, because that is, you know, you always have to start at the beginning. Like, where's the first tidbit that they said publicly you know, where I can see it so I can start the thread from there. And that's exactly where it started. Obviously, it should have started from my friend, who's a career at NARA, that said, and I put his, I quoted um, the text. He said, well, one of the archivist's responsibility during the U.S. presidential elections is to oversee the custody of the electoral college documents, including certificates and ascertainment of certificates of vote produced by electors of each state. He said, this was a significant topic of discussion in December 2020. He's talking about the NARA office, right? And David Ferriero stood firm in light of the era controversy, but weaponized our agency in other matters. And his political views have influenced our agency ever since President Obama left office. He left his position abruptly as part of a deal with the FBI, according to many co-workers of mine at NARA. So there's cool water cooler talk that you know you know they didn't force him to do the narrow thing because he was working with the feds so this is this is what federal employees that are careers are saying right this is the 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 water cooler talk right so i made sure that you know i said hey it came from him and and the thing is I noticed that communication now, you know, when I was going through all of this and I was like, wait, you know, I have a lot of friends that still work there. You know, I'm a dork. So, of course, me and librarians are friends. Okay, so it was it was interesting looking at it with fresh eyes after seeing, you know, the avenue and how they dovetailed themselves into the whole situation. Um, uh, Zatoki, you have a question? 
Yes, I do. And thank you for the article. Thank you for all you do. I was studying the article, trying to take notes. And my question, just one, uh, about the Secret Service did not comply with the FBI Raiders request to turn off the surveillance cameras inside uh, Mar-a-Lago. So my my question really is, what are the public, uh, what is the per, uh, public's perception? What is the ramica- ramifications of this that the Secret Service uh, would make this statement, and does this set precedent? Has this ever occurred? Okay, that's an interesting question. So, number one, the FBI that came there knew that Secret Service is not allowed to turn off the cameras, right? Because they need that to protect the president, right? That is their job. So, them asking that question was like, why would you ask a question you already know the answer to, right? Now, we have cameras in our life everywhere, right? But it does hinder covert and not so by the book activities by the feds and there are many reasons why you know they would want that to not you know the cameras to be off you know one is that they want to protect the identities of the fbi agents right because you know what if that information leaks then people are going to be bombarding these agents right and they're just doing their job right another one is because they don't want people to know where they went or what they did right um For that reason, another one is because it makes it simpler for them because usually like when you pull footage, if you hire someone and pull footage, they just pull the footage. They don't do a whole full security system analysis or inspection of the systems to see, hey, when were these set off? Did it trigger this camera? See, if they had a thorough thing done, I'm guaranteeing you they would have seen that the streams are actually being bifurcated, meaning that there's heavy external um, you know, push of the video and audio that's being picked up uh, from the surveillance equipment. So, um, so that's interesting. So there's many reasons, but they would have been able to detect the leaky transition modes that they have, you know, how they get it to Virginia, how they get it to the local field office. And if you remember, it was even the Democrats that said that they had obtained video without a warrant, right? And goes back to where I see that they got caught without a warrant. And in March of 2020, I am of the understanding because the grand jury had already kicked off in March 2020 that they had provided CMN, the contractor that was doing all the surveillance bid, um, a, a national security letter, right, that they need to be you know, complying and giving the information. And what sparked my interest is that that coincided with their um, April update. So they went into the system to advise DHS and update them on their progress at Mar-a-Lago. And they did that on the 13th of April. Well, my source that I spoke to in July told me that they had gotten what they needed for the warrant at the beginning of April. And that makes total sense because it was during that time that they even uh, gave President Trump his first um, subpoena for these alleged classified documents. And he was like, what do you mean classified? I'm the president. I declassify everything like this is stupid. This is a witch hunt. But the month of April is where they went to get they gave him a subpoena. And it was on the month of April that this company gave an update, you know, after a whole almost year where their contract is ready to end they're putting in an update um which for me indicates that they probably had that subpoena and just so you know if they had like an administrative subpoena like that like a national security letter type subpoena they wouldn't be allowed to tell anyone though i don't know what the regulations are when you're interacting with secret service and if secret service has a say because if something like that happened under the guise of secret service personally myself i would say 
as an agency, Secret Service should be asking questions. But on the other hand, Secret Service falls under the purview of DHS, so that makes it a little bit sticky. Um, I hope that answers the question. Thank you. And save our republic? Hi, Tor. This is a, a big supporter in Chicago. I appreciate everything that you do. Um, I wanted to ask you the question. I mean, I, I know you're close with Rudy, and, and Rudy is in touch with Trump, but does he understand uh, the full picture about what's happening, you know, at Mar-a-Lago right now? And then my follow-up question to that is, um, you know, does this assume that essentially Obama is still continuously having eyes on Trump and his personal home? Okay, um, great question. So, um, like, no one said that President Trump doesn't know this, right? He's a master at putting people on the spotlight. I know a lot of people blame him for Fauci, but sometimes people have to see it. And I, I, I still remember the way people were asking him about COVID. And he was like, oh, let me bring you the experts. And he was like, here are your experts. They're in charge of everything, right? So um, I, want, I, I, I want to be very careful at what I say here. But what I would say is this article wasn't for President Trump or his team. It was for the people um, to see just how deep this witch hunt goes and just to what measures they will go to silence anyone that questions their authority. And this is the death rattle. There's no coming back from this. That's why I, 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 I titled the article you know, shadow fall versus spy fall. Now, shadow fall would be, is the, uh, you know, unofficial uh, name of taking down President Trump, right? And that is, you know, those people in the shadow trying to topple down President Trump. But in um, in all honesty, that's why I said, you know, um, spy fall versus shadow fall. So which one? Do you think that we even trapped them because we knew, or do you think that they entrapped him? And but it won't stick. Um, I need to rotate because I have requests and I can't seem to add speakers. So I'm going to drop a few of you that already spoke, if that's cool, um, so people can ask questions. Um, thanks. Um, anyone else have a question? David, you have a question? Yes, thank you so much for describing what you understand about this. I've been 18 years working as a decision intelligence analyst. I'm a British uh, citizen. I, I just wonder what your thoughts are on the relationship between the British intelligence services and the American in the context of Trump. I understand as a biographer of Tony Blair from the 1997 period and, and from that, what the relationship was. What do you think the relationship is now in terms of if it's special? And more broadly, what do you think the relationship is with the future presidential race? Thank you. Oh, um, that was a loaded question, David. Don't go anywhere because they might need to ask you like um, more. So um, I was actually formally based out of, you know, the UK for almost a decade, right? Uh, even though our, our um, the offices of the, uh, you know, company, I guess, um, that has been set up by Five Eyes is based out of Luxembourg. Um, so I actually 
had an office at GCHQ myself. I think Nina's sitting at my desk right now. <laughs> but um, uh, the relationship is more so a block. Um, I believe that President Trump, because he didn't see eye to eye with um, what they had strived to do, um, all intelligence agencies were weaponized, right? It, it, it makes sense, right? Because they worked so hard to, um, you know, during Obama's tenure and during Bush's tenure and during Clinton's tenure um, to get to the point where their interests were, that his presence and mere, even his run, was a threat to jeopardizing their personal interests or whatever goals they had. So, you know, it was very easy, especially, you know, if you have the backing of a previous president and a previous one to that, you know, to resort to use your, 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 your clout, your political clout globally and fabricate plots. Because we all know that British intelligence played a very big role in, you know, Russiagate. I know for a fact that Eric, um, um, uh, Hangman, Hagman, um, was, you know, your head of GCHQ was actually part of the company that I worked for. He's, he was literally listed on that list. His face and, 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 and name were there. So all Hannigan and all of, all of them worked together. And what cripples, I guess, the spirit of many individuals throughout the Western world is that their leaders have a plan, but the people aren't included in it. So, um, okay, now restate some of those questions, David. <laughs> My concern, I suppose, is about the future presidential relationship with the United Kingdom. Can you comment on what you think that might be? Well, um, okay, well, right now in the United Kingdom, uh, there has been a sequestration of um, Five Eyes Intelligence working hard on disinformation. Um, and they have created a unit where that Nina chick has gone up there, since it's not allowed here, um, in order to find a way to battle that. I believe that um, President Trump coming back in the picture um, sooner than 2024, actually, um, are my hopes. Um, would be detrimental to the establishment of the United Kingdom uh, because they were always beating to the drum of uh, Gutierrez. And as you know, he's been very vocal recently, demanding that all uh, Western nations just forfeit all their money because he needs to command it. So I believe that the relationships are is extremely rocky. Uh, at the moment, and I believe that if Britain itself uh, doesn't uh, stand up for itself um, and recognize that there is a ongoing abuse of power and that the MPs are pretty much worthless, then, um, yeah, I don't think that we're going to have very good relations. This is just my two cents. I believe we're going to have very good relations with African nations, though. Um, I believe that President Trump will uh, mend very hard lines um, that have been, well, he's going to create lines of, you know, um, 
economic trade and understanding with the African continent. Um, as far as the Western world, I mean, that's, that's just been devastated. I mean, what is your viewpoint? I'd like to hear from you. That's very kind. It's very thoughtful what you've just said. I wonder if, if it's the Nigerian, Ethiopian or Gambian governments within Africa that you think are strategically important. And what's this AFRICOM pivot that you see in terms of geopolitical change? And, and how does that relate to the, the strategy that is important for establishing a future of Western democracy in the African continent? Well, I mean, you have to define Western democracy because USAID that panders the idea of Western democracy all the time. Like if you look at their webpage, oh, we're here spreading democracy, but actually we're funding riots so that we can, you know, put people we like. Um, I believe the African nations are starting to garner in their power because they are realizing that the Western world um, has taken advantage of situations. But at the same time, uh they are also under the control of the CCP, right? Because China literally owns Africa. And anyone saying anything different has no idea what's going on, right? Because they come in as consumer um, targeted and then, you know, uh, that's it. They forfeit. I mean, even in Europe, you see the CCP is their own IMF, right? Anytime Lagarde would come in and sweep in with Goldman Sachs to, to overthrow, you know, member states that are in debt, China would come in and be like, hey, you know that port you got? Totally. I'll give you a loan, and if you forfeit, I own it. This is how Greece lost one of their most ancient ports, Piraeus, to China, right? So um, I think it's, 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 it's important for us to um, recognize that um, I think Gaddafi's vision of Africa will be coming to fruition. Uh, and um, I'm seeing a big pivot from the Middle East, from the Arab nations, the Arab bloc, kind of trying to jump in on that and maybe this is why we're having so, so much turmoil with the pirates up in Somalia and um, and that is also beneficial I guess and that's something that Erdogan pushed only because by upsetting the pirates right and um, you know then causing the issues that we see in the center of Africa it totally excises the United States hold. Remember, Obama, before he became president, he was senator. His advisor at the time was John Owen Brennan, who was my mentor, by the way, during that period of time, too. Right. And um, he would be the person that I would be communicating with most of the time. So uh, he groomed Obama during that one term. And Obama had actually gone to Africa and advocated for the APC agreement that they had in South Sudan. And then when he became president, we recognized it as a new nation, which hasn't done anything but given us the advantage of having a presence uh, smack in the middle by the um, in, in the African continent and, and um, causing upset. But that is because the foreign policy that is being conducted by people the State Department is just insane. It's like these people have no idea of cultural nuances. They have no idea of, you know, ancient wars. They have no idea of anything. I mean, grabbing someone, I think I said it to someone today, grabbing someone off of a cruise ship that was a singer for like two years would be better as a, you know, foreign service agent for the State Department than any of these idiots that are there right now, especially the ones that dictate, uh, you know, African policy. So we're seeing a lot of uh, shift away from the West and, you know, towing the line with the East from the African nations. And I think Trump is that middle guy that will, 
we'll we'll tie that all in together, I believe. So I mean, what is your so assessment? Trump, well, so Trump is that middle guy, as you say. The middle place might be considered Constantinople, now known as Istanbul. What's your thoughts on what Trump's policy should be with regard to Erdogan and Turkey? And if I might also, because it's such a pleasure to you know, listen to what you say, what might be your three words to the people of of Great Britain and England in the coronation of the English king coming up in a few weeks' time? Oh, David, what can I say? You know, because I have a soft spot for England, right? Only because I, I lived there for a very long time. And, you know, I kind of, I, I feel British. I guess it's because I was, you know, east of the Bow Bells when I'd hang out, right? So I got the real British service there. But, um, oh, geez. So the center of the turmoil, David, is Turkey. I've been talking about that for at least five years on my radio show that everyone should be paying attention to where the heat map is and it's actually Turkey. And it totally makes sense, right? Um, but having said that, President Trump is a centrist. A lot of people misconstrue his statements. You know, they see policies that he does that are um, middle of the road as opposed to hard right. The only hard right that someone would identify is, you know, casual abortion which is one of the most ridiculous arguments I've heard, especially, you know, on, on scientific terms, you know, we're actually a dying species. Uh, you know, for those that are ecologists, they could just run the p-values and see that, you know, our, you know, species is actually declining. We have more deaths than we do births. But anyway, um, so he is a centrist, and I think that's, what, uh, that's why he's attractive to African nations that are looking for that, you know, strong you know, concrete stance in policy. And I think that one picture of President Trump where he's sitting at a table and all these big leaders are hovering over with their arms crossed. I, I, I don't know if anybody remembers that picture where the, he's sitting down and everyone's standing, leaning over him at the table like angry, shows you exactly how much he won't pivot. He sticks by his values and he does what he says and he means what he does right and that's attractive to the africans now ping to turkey right now this is going to be fun okay because europe is going to fail in this one so the idiots decided that they're going to blow up Nord Stream 2 just to provoke war that didn't work you know, but the missiles didn't work because it was theirs right they tried to blame russia 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 right and um Russia's been very patient. I'm actually surprised that they didn't drop a nuke from space because we've got those two and no one talks about that either. But, you know, Erdogan's on his way out. I mean, of course they were going to take him out. He activated all his troops out Eritrea from his military academies, Somalia, you know, Djibouti. He's gotten them all worked up and everything you're seeing right now happening in Sudan is because the Ottoman Empire is striking back because they forced him to comply with Finland. And this is him, then Turkey's dropping off from NATO. And a lot of people, you know, very few people actually know factually that in NATO, the top three militaries that we have, you know, in regards to power, size, and equipment is actually the U.S., Turkey, and then believe it or not, Greece, especially with the last load 
of helicopters and aid and this quasi base that was created near Volos, right? So right now with Erdogan on his way out, um, you know, people would think that that's a weak Turkey. And uh, unfortunately for Turkey as a nation, it might be the end of it too. Because I, I feel that, you know, if I was Putin, I would come down from the north through the Georgian entry and obviously the Bosphorus. And I would, um, you know, go through Turkey and conquer. And at that time, the only European front that, that would be, or NATO front, I guess, that would be available to them to fight uh, Russia in the Mediterranean would be Greece. But... If Putin says, hey, Greece, I'll give you Constantinople, Cyprus, you can have the rest of your island, there's no way they're going to fight Putin. So the West has just lost that war. And the reason he would dominate the area of Turkey and kind of disperse it to Greece, Armenia, and then actually create Kurdistan, which would be a big poke in the eye for a lot of Arab nations and Western nations, would be to have control of the pipelines that come through there, right? And... Um, and that would make him literally an energy czar. And at that point, that's when they're going to get rid of Putin. So this is this is how I see it, you know, kind of like on a risk table happening um, in regards to foreign policy. And unfortunately, you know, nothing can stop what's coming because no matter how you look at it, there's a way out of of, of Russia uh, being targeted. The, the only way that they would actually fail is if China doesn't bolster Russia. But... Um, that would look bad on the Chinese to the African nations that and the Arab nations that have good relations with Russia. So I am more inclined to think that the that the Chinese would actually um, uh, provide uh, supportive action to Putin. Um, your thoughts on that, David? Oh my gosh, I love it when I banter with people that know this stuff. <laughs> well, I can't claim to know that or anything at all. I just really appreciate your sharing the thoughts you have from experience presumably i wonder what your thoughts are on the idea that has been levied about kissinger's what he does you know what he's contributed to the american intellectual sphere do you think he's a realist or an idealist is he presumably... are you talking about henry kissinger there is no other do you think he's contributing towards an idealized future, trying to defend his own historical contributions with China or as an idealist? Or do you think he is a realist? What's your thoughts on that? Oh my God, I couldn't believe that you were talking about Henry Kissinger because you used those words in the same sentence with him. Like he's he's horrific. You know, he knows that the CCP was created because we, the American people, had promised the Chinese back in the 40s a ton of equipment to fight for their liberation so they don't get commied, right? And we withheld that from them. And then when we actually released them from the ports, we gave them broken guns. So, you know, I don't know, saving face? I just couldn't believe I, I have no comment, but, you know, Kissinger is someone that I would like to wipe from my memory only because his policies um, uh, helped create the foundation for what is happening right now. This this crazy, erratic, you know, movement of eradicating, you know, humanity and not in the sense of humans themselves, but what makes us human um uh you know they the, the promotion of dehumanization and others being 
more human than others. And um, this uh, chasm that we see that is so huge between those that we think we elect and we don't. And I wanted to address the coronation, David. Now, I'm not British, right? But the coronation culturally for the British is a big thing. I'd like to ask you a question on this, though. Are the British tired of of the whole monarchy, monarchy scheme at the moment? Like, are they, you know, okay, that's old, we need to move on. Like, culturally, I know it's ingrained, you know, people love seeing the Queen, but I, I, I see that that generation is kind of slowly dying out. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. It's very kind of you to ask me that. And in the same way, I, I love to ask you, you know, from whence comes your perspective and a little bit about your background, maybe for other people, as three or four of my friends are listening as well. You know, maybe they don't know where you're, where you're coming from or, or why you've come to these opinions. For myself, as a British citizen, I can only comment that we have the coronation coming on. And there have been many changes we can compare what we've done, as David Starkey might say. We're not saying he's a person to look up to. I'm not saying he is all the right opinions, but Mr. Starkey clearly understands British history. We went through a revolution of cutting off the heads of monarchs in a way that the French couldn't even have wished for. Now what we have is a, a, a form of stability and monarchistic government which is essentially titular. This is not what many other people from outside might imagine. This is not a Saudi Arabian form of government, and God bless them, inshallah. We are looking at a, a form of representation which is just purely titular, but we still have an aristocratic way of thinking. You know, when you hear my voice, my compatriots will say, well, from which class does he come? But in American politics, it's difficult these days to divide, as Jefferson said, between the wall of uh, the state and the economy, the wall of the state and, and religion. And I think that because we have such a, a placid and indifferent religious culture in our country, of the United Kingdom, Great Britain, and Northern Ireland, we, we're not so concerned about the having a monarchy and, and having a religious governor for the state. But there are questions which are being posed about what is this coronation representing, especially for the islands and those cultures which are part of the Commonwealth. I suppose the, the broader concern that, that I have, of course, going into a celebration of the coronation of the new king, is what will be the implications how will we see this in the months after this of the secession or attempts for independence when we're trying to provide a form of stability in a commonwealth which we're part of? It's less about what the British role is as a nation post-Brexit, more about what is the role of the commonwealth. And I, I'm not sure what your thoughts are about that, but I'm quite certain that in the 1950s, between 57 and 59, as I was just in Egypt recently, the devastation of the notion of the British being imperial really came in the Suez Crisis. And since then, of the lack of support from the United States and all of that conflict really 
has been a product of the handing over of all the traditions of Magna Carta near where I live in Salisbury of England, where we can see the original Magna Carta. It's a, it's a handing over. I think our question as British people these days is more about what is the handing over going to be from the American democracy into the next era of democracy? And will that be peaceful? I think it was the first time we've ever seen historically right the way back for 1500 years of any Passover of power between great powers. Now the question is, what would the Passover with great powers be in the decline of the American civilization? Okay, so first of all, thank you for that. Um, now, I want to speak to the Commonwealth territories because that's really important, especially for Australia, right? Um, but I wanted to say, I believe, this is just my opinion, and just to, you know, gauge so, so people understand where I come from, right? Um, in short form, when I was very young, I scored extremely high on an IQ test, and that landed me in some, you know, uh, government-sponsored programs for nerds. Um, my superpower is pattern recognition. Um, fast forward to that, I, I worked on various projects um, as a young child and as a teenager, um, at different locations. I've traveled the world because I was afforded that. Um, I am a child of immigrants from Greece, born and bred here. Um, I was then convinced to join the Navy. I think that was their way of solidifying me in the system. And then once I had completed two trainings, which is, which, you know what? Oh my gosh, this just dawned on me. It usually takes about nine to um to 12 months isn't it i think that's a rule of thumb where you know they 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 create your positions right when they put you into like these private contracting black budget things so i think that's probably why they had me there so they can monitor me because i was you know entering the adulthood stage right but then i went into private contracting so i'm a polyglot i um uh my 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 role was um mapping out strategies um, on what the U.S. wanted to get done. So I am very fluent in um, languages and uh, cultural nuances and uh, your overall nerd. I've been to many universities. I've studied law. Um, I was even at South Bank University getting a GDL, but I had to leave uh, for work. I'm not the person that thinks that the degree will tell you everything you need to know. Like, for example, right now I signed up to the law school class um, for the first ever space law class. Uh, it's all about gaining information and uh, utilizing it. I'm, I think maybe, you know, I was in a very structured system and um, I believe that, uh, you know, boundaries are what limit us. Um, I do also, though, do have a degree because that was a prerequisite for me to enter medical school so that way I can get into laboratories, and I completed that in two years. I was a bachelor's of science in molecular and cellular biology. I'm very well-versed in the sciences, um, and I, uh, I love physics and math. I, you know, dabble in string theory antics and trying to solve problems that I think aren't really unsolvable. They're just not problems. So that's my background. So well, gosh, um, <laughs> if, if I, if, well, this, this is such a background. I, I only apologize because we've not met before. And in no way was this that's me. Fine. It's that's a fine. stage question of asking I think, you. Yeah, no, but that's it, fine. It, it's Steve, lovely that's to totally hear fine. about this. So yeah, it's totally so fine. Much. 
No, it's totally fine. I just wanted to say that's my background. So I speak from that point of privilege, right? I've I've dipped my toes in every sea except for the Antarctic one. Okay, <laughs> um, and um, right now I think the biggest mistake the United Kingdom ever made was appointing, uh, you know, coordinating King Charles. Uh, that will be the downfall. Uh, there are a lot of territories that do not like him. They should have just skipped him and went straight to King William, right? Uh, this is this is just my two cents, uh, you know, in, in regards to reception by other nations and um, especially the common ones. Like uh, Canada, they're confusing, so I can't really speak to them. I have no idea what's going on over there right now because it seems like, you know, they're, they're just getting their thighs crossed. Um, as far as Australia... I believe that is going to be one of the hardest things that um, the new regime of the United Kingdom might face, uh, the Australians. And we might even see an independence for the, from the crown, which I would totally promote um, myself. But on the other hand, China has such a strong hold on Australia, it would be, um, it would be a very tight, tight rope to, you know, go to. Uh, now, um, I mean, I, I I don't remember the rest of the things because I was trying to process your 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 point of view, and I so appreciate it. I mean, I would well, like well, to ask I, you if, a question, if though. I'd like to sure, ask you a question. You're most welcome. Yeah, how do you digest the fact that President Trump, from the minute he stepped off that escalator, I say it's from the minute that he filed for the MAGA, you okay. know, uh, you know, trademark. Till today, they're still spying on him. They're still monitoring him. They're still attacking him. You know, they're still coming after him. Uh, how do you perceive that? As I really like, I'd like an honest one. I don't want, oh, he's he rubs people the wrong way. No, America wants that right now. We don't want pretty talk. We don't need confetti and balloons, right? You know, there is no petrodollar. It's called the Petro Royale now. Okay, let's all be realists, right? People can't buy food, can't put gas in their tank. You know, jobs are gone. And in a nation where we thought we were free, we had people getting beat up at Bed Baths and Beyonds because they didn't put, a, you know, a rag over their face. So, you know, aside from the, you know, personal perspective of how Orange Man bad or, oh, he's like the best, policy-wise, right, how do you see that? You know, when you see a nation like America using the full force of the federal government going after a guy that's just trying to make change. Policy-wise, there is no United States policy for, from a federal or executive perspective, spying on candidates. If there were, that would be a disastrous consequence of something going very wrong. I, I, I appreciate you asking me this question. I think what we all know from Snowden and others is that there are systems at work to allow mass surveillance. Those spill over into political candidates. I suppose what's important from a British perspective is whether that sort of spying is going on and the factual claims and how we evaluate those. Is, is, for me personally, it's, it's more a question, how am I presented with those evidence bases? And if I'm being filtered by American, Californian companies, that's a problem for me. Not so much about what is the action and spying. We all know that there is a function for national and international 
assessments through mass communication filtering. The question is really, is that going on in a, in a mass sense for everyone? And is that filtering over or spilling over into political candidates? And I suppose that's, that's a question for American voters to understand. Just looking at the evidence, I, I think when you present evidence to people, they can assess that for themselves. I, I, I believe that, I suppose I don't feel, even if, if I might be British, and even if I believe that there is a monarch in my country who reigns, I don't think I'm elitist in the sense of just focusing on an aristocracy. The question is really, what are the, what are the fact basises for this? The problem we have is when that's all being filtered from us. The difference between the Magna Carta, which is only 16 miles down the road from where I live, just right down the street in Salisbury Cathedral, I can go and observe and take the book out and read Magna Carta. The principles of freedom of speech are being violated, not in any legal sense, but in an actual sense. And there's a difference. In practice, yes. In because practice. I, I, Yeah, in, but, but here's the thing. Let's pretend... In the future, let's hypothesize, let's hypothesize that my predictive analytics algorithm predicts this. King Charles passes away. We get a coronation of King William, and he decides to declare that Australia is no longer part of the Commonwealth because he feels like it, right? He's like, take your independence. Enough of this, right? And suddenly, MI6 is all up in his business. They're uh, recording his calls and leaking them. They're saying that he's having affairs, even when he's not. They're taping his kids. They're taping his wife. They're videotaping it. They're making up lies. They're setting up traps to entrap him. Like, how would you feel as a Brit if your agency, well, GCHQ would do the cyber stuff and MI6 would do the physical stuff, right? Like planting surveillance equipment or whatever. But let's hypothesize that that was happening to your nation, to your leader, how would you receive that? Because this is exactly what is happening in the United States. And it's actually happening on the global stage. And everyone's watching it and making fun of us. Like, this is ridiculous. But I would like to know if it was, if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, like Germany, Merkel's bikini topless videos dancing in Mykonos or her, you know, with lovers, you know, and all that stuff coming out and then trashing like how would other nations feel as citizens knowing that their leaders that they elect or well for you guys it's a monarch i get it but let's pretend that you elected them um if 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 the people that you elect are actually controlled by people you don't elect which is the fourth unelected branch of government which are federal employees in this case in the united states so let's assume you know you didn't vote for anyone to be an mi6 agent mi5 right gchq you didn't so what if those guys we're telling your, you know, representatives, your MPs and your House of Lords, we're all owned by them with blackmail dangling over their head to do what they say. How would you feel? Well, I can tell you how Churchill felt because he wrote it directly in the second book of his biography. The British were very embarrassed about what's called ultra in, in the US. It was called X-ray. These are the transcripts from the intercept communications in ultra of the Germans, in x-ray of the Japanese. The reason it's been used by the National Archive of the United Kingdom 
for so long and, and concealed is because it's rather embarrassing to think that the way in which the British won the war with with Germany, the Nazis, was to intercept communications. I think that goes against the British idea of, of you know playing cricket, as they say. So you know being above board and very straight. Mass interception and communication intercepts are a challenge. It seems fine if you can do it externally, because then if you're a nation, you can see the big divide between who you are and the other. That's a conversation that's been brought to the fore and really hasn't been resolved in the minds of people. When that's applied to political candidates, then people are concerned, especially if it's your political campaign. I can't say anything about the American political situation because it's not my place, but in the, in the British context, the important thing is not so much about who is looking at us and what we're saying in private. There are mechanisms for encryption, which many people use. The bigger question is in the public discourse, what's the role of censorship? Which are yeah, forms of acceptable speech and which are not forms of acceptable speech? You know, there is, of course, a conversation to do with national intelligence and the intercept of communications, which is lawful or otherwise unlawful, depending on the context. The thing which is of more import, in my belief, is the incapacity of the general Joe blogs to be able to listen to what is considered hate speech or unpleasant speech to form their own opinions whether or not they have the educational capacity to do that is another issue but just the ability to be able to listen to that without suppression or censorship and all of those principles have come from the United Kingdom from England from the Magna Carta of the capacity to be able to share with one another to associate with one another to be able to speak freely even the most disgusting forms of speech are appropriate forms of speech in the context of allowing us to form opinions so that we can defend and say, no, that's not a thing that we would like. But when we censor that, then we have really no defense against those sorts of opinions. My concern as a British citizen is more to do with... Okay. Um, am I not hearing or did it go dead? It went dead. Okay. That's what I thought. Well, David, um, in regards to censorship, I know he's not listening. We should indeed, um, do another space at some point. And I know America mission has been pushing this too, uh, in regards to censorship because censorship is the first step of thought control too, because the more you censor how you speak and the articulation you use and the words you use and how you use them, um, actually impact the way you think. So, but again, all these people making these rules on what's acceptable, what we say and what we do is the fourth and elected branch of government. And that is exactly why they are targeting president Trump because he is speaking the mind of the people as a person himself. So, you know, there are many, 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 many nations, you know, that, that are undergoing this. So, you know, uh, obviously I, I know a lot of people respect their privacy and don't want it. And the reason that they don't want their private communications and video and audio to be, uh, and, and medical data to be harnessed is because we know the power of, you know, 
technology and, you know, the the atom bomb was never supposed to be a destructive force, you know, when they created that nuclear, when they started the nuclear research, but it was weaponized to become a force to be reckoned with. And, and this is how they see medicine. And now the decoding of the human genome in the nineties and, you know, now garnering information and guess what? There's so much data on every one of us. It's all scattered to the winds that it's not even sequestered somewhere. Ideally, I would like to see uh, our nation, the United States of America, sequester all that data and disallow its connection and maybe harbor in a really strong center the information that these corporations have because unelected officials and corporations are the the ones that run the system right now. And that must be disheartening for every single American to hear that your voice simply does not matter because unless they're in charge – you're not going to get your way. And, you know, this is the fight that we're actually fighting, the right to be heard. And I don't think, you know, when you get down to the core of it and you strip all these shenanigans that have happened over the years or the constant spying on Trump, you have to think to yourself, why are they so obsessed? Because he represents free thought and challenging the systems that be. So you've had your hand up for like forever. Please go ahead. I'm sorry. Hey, Chaos, how you doing? Um, Jen, hi. Uh, hey, I wanted to, if it's all right, I don't know, you guys have passed by it a little while ago, the um, the banker box question and, and uh, the, the National Archive. Has you got time for that, to go back to that? Oh, yeah, of course. That's like my jam. Like, I was so excited to find the source. You know, like in every problem, we start at the beginning, right? That was the beginning. That's where you, that was the starting yeah. point. You're, you're one, 100% correct. And, uh I've done some digging and looking into it and uh, read some records and, uh, you know, open source stuff about it. And being an investigator for 20 years, you know, I have a way that I peel things apart and look at it. And it's my own thing. And um, I definitely have some some strong feelings about what happened. And it sounds like they align with yours. If um, you probably know about it, I don't know if you touched on it, but the... um, the government looking at Trump's handling of records had already been taking place before uh, Fierro, the National Archivist, the librarian, before he ever uh, went to the DOJ and uh, filed his complaints about Trump. Um, He was working with uh, Carolyn Maloney, and she was the chairperson of the um, let's see, I think it was the Oversight Committee in Congress. And she had issues, she said, about how Trump was handling records. And she had been getting what exactly was he allowed to take? Had he absconded with stuff already? Was he taking stuff, you know, in preparation for leaving the White House? They already had that thing going on. And that was back in 2020 they were doing well, it. Well, let me just remind you, remember what the Cavete bill was, right? It was about storing records for microblogging. Yes. 
you know, yes. and that's what's important because they had to pass a resolution that would include Twitter, which is considered microblogging, and other means of social media uh, like Reddit and whatever to make it part of presidential records. So the writing was on the wall. It's just where was the kickoff point of here's where all, all of us are going to create this collusion, which was Congress and NARA, um, you know, under the guise and auspices of, you know, the FBI. Yes, and and Fiaro, um, at some point realized that uh, Maloney wasn't his uh, source of action that was going to uh, solve anything or really go after Trump the way he needed and wanted to go after Trump, and he had to break with her through an email that he wrote to her because he was going to go the route with the DOJ, and this banker box that he spotted when the. Uh, White House was being vacated. They send the government sends the Office of Records and Management, the White House Office of Records and Management. They do it for every single president. They go in and they help them collect all of the records, and they they oversee the both the removal and the transport to the president's next place of residence. It's what they do. They're in charge of it, and. In the article, I think that you actually quoted, it was probably from WAPO, um, that a member of the um, Office of Records and Management approached Fiaro, who was hanging out in the shadows, like you said, who does that? He was hanging in the shadows, and his story is that someone came to him and said, hey, there, someone from Office of Records and Management, there's a box or two that we think should be included, or there's records that we think should be included that we haven't seen boxed up yet. We don't, we don't know exactly the location of those things. And then he, shortly after he recounts that story, he says, then he sees a banker box. Now, something came out yeah, of but space. I think that's BS personally. Just meant, just parlaying with you here not trying to yeah yeah no 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 go for it but um the the thing is that's why i couldn't put all of that stuff in the article because people get lost people don't read anymore yeah yeah seen like articles they're like five sentences i put evidence in there so that people can look but i agree with you 100 percent. this conversation actually started in december of 2020 that i found out when i was researching this you know where they were talking about the electoral college and the voters and you know they were congress was actually reaching out Get this, too narrow to find out, you know, is there any precedent? Look to tell us that they can't change the slate like they were working overtime. And it was um, and it's these federal employees, again, that are running the show. Right. Yeah. And and the thing is, David just disgraced himself because he will be forever known as the archivist that fucked everything up. You know, he, excuse you know, he was a he, he was hyper. He was hyper, hypersensitive to racism. Racism was his bag, his thing. And he considered Trump to be really a white racist and nationalist. And he was after he was so focused on the racism angle that he had started his own 30 member task force without the permission of uh, of the Congress. And they were starting to go through every single record which he has control of because he's the National Archivist, every single record of the United States of America to find racism and completely eliminate it. And his goal, his stated goal, was that he thought the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, had a lot of racist, white privilege language in it, and it was to take it and remove it from uh, being displayed. Electronically research it and remove all the 
racist language and replace it. And some stuff that couldn't be replaced just has to be totally removed. So that's well, the that's angle that he Obama, was looking at. Yeah, but that, that was Obama's plan. Remember when he created yeah. it to be now Federal Records Acts and stuff like that? Because this is how you burn books without burning them in person. Exactly. You just digitize because they've been digitizing guys. They're digitizing records like, you know, a menu that they had, you know, from the times of Abraham Lincoln and they're digitizing it and then destroying that stuff or selling it on the black market. I mean, that's how they make money. Right. But the thing is, it's like this is ridiculous. Like they are clearly trying to rewrite history using, uh, e you know, um, what is it called? Like the, the whole eco friendly thing um, as an excuse. So that way they can delete things they don't yes. want. You know, they were deleting monuments in front of us. One hundred percent. You know, so I agree with you. Um, and I'll, I'll let me just, and let me just put just one one last thing. I, I feel like I've been hogging already, but um, uh, John Solomon uh, was on with um, Dr. Gorka, and, and he broke something, and he was commenting about the uh, Office of Records and Management people that were milling around the White House while um, Trump was packing up and while they were helping Trump pack up. And he basically accused and said they stole, took, or removed the Russiagate folder without the permission. And that it's kind of uh, leaning towards that's the thing that was missing, but they were the ones that took it. But leading back what, to the contracting company that was yes. so weirdly picked. I mean, why would you pick a company that's been dormant for so long? Yeah. It could be that they're good people, right? But you only need one bad apple in your group to destroy everything, right? Right, and then and they so, hear that maybe Trump has his own copy of what they already thought that they had garnered away from him. And that's where this whole setup and, uh, you know, we're going to take him down and I think you're completely right. It's completely orchestrated. They could not afford him coming back in 2024. They spent 40, they spent a hundred million already, four years of, you know, investigations with an SEO. They couldn't just not have a plan B and just well, let yeah, him rerun it. They're intermingling things. And that's, and that's the thing. Like I'm not, you know, I mean, aren't they tired of just losing? Cause that's all they're doing. Yes. And basically they're helping him get reelected while we do have establishment people. I had conversations while I was in DC with a lot of people. And some of these conversations were, well, it worked for Reagan. Well, it worked for Bush. And it's like, dude, where are you? The nineties want their hair back. It's 2023. People aren't on the same page anymore. Like yeah. no one's going to do this anymore. What worked then doesn't work now. Nobody wants confetti when you're picking someone. They want to know that you're going to go in there, you're going to raise your sleeves up, and you're going to work. Right? Yeah, they that's can't, all yeah, they couldn't leave it to chance. That's just it. Well, and that's the, that's their downfall. This is why I say spyfall, right? They created all this spy. It's Rico. This is Rico against the people because kind of like what um, David was saying from England, right, with all this information and all this spying, right? Obviously, uh, like I said, one of the fallbacks is that we don't have the data sequestered in one area, and there are a lot of people that have access to that data. But on the other hand, weaponization is an issue. But think of it this way. Where's the transparency? If we have unelected people dictating policies, dictating what's allowed to be said or dictating what's allowed to be remembered in history, then how do we, the people, have any control? The simple answer is we don't. And and, and that's the bottom line. And I think, you know, this, this, you know, finding their final target to find out what he has and how he has it. 
right, is crucial to the yep. future of the way America goes. We need to take this and run with it hard. Like, uh, you know, I've already am in the process of creating FOIA requests and seeing, you know, how and where we can actually come in with a lawsuit as the people, maybe from the state of Georgia, because the Supreme Court of Georgia has given precedent saying that people have the right to grievance. It's not considered a general grievance doctrine if you're complaining about processes that are happening in your nation by either elected officials or officials that are appointed by elected officials. Uh, you know, So we need to start doing things because Trump's just one person. And this guy was hogtied by Obama's transition team you know, for four years, right? And okay. a lot of people that were in Trump's close circle were made as assets to avoid going to jail, right? For personal reasons, financial crimes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Which is a ticking time bomb. So it's, it's, it's a very delicate situation for him to use, but for us, the people, it's not. And I think it's a very important that, you know, the conversation about the orchestration of spying on the president while he's at home using federal tax dollars through DHS is a big deal. You know, and when you see the logs of all the SAAs and OHAs that were appearing at NARA having these conversations, that's a big deal. Yeah, and they're able to do it without a lot of legal uh, hoops to jump through because you notice who ran the uh, raid on Mar-a-Lago. It was the counter-intel arm of the FBI. Those people are the same. You the mean the CIA? The yeah, that ran Russiagate. And when the, that's like the laughed at unit of the FBI, the counterintelligence unit, those guys are not squared away people. They don't have to meet all the legal, legal standards that the regular criminal division has to meet when spying and taking out warrants because it's national security. And they they work under a different set of, of basically spy craft. And they can, you know, get after the president and spy on him without going through some of the hoops that they may have had to go through if it was a criminal, you know, straight up crime that they were trying to um, get a warrant for. And well, what they did right now. By the way, sorry, sorry to join you again. I, I briefly dropped out there. But fascinating listening to both of you talking about this in an, an international context. Others might not understand the RICO laws. The idea of finding a reason to then retrospectively investigate others is an international approach. It, it, it's not something specifically in the United States. It's a, it's a universal approach in, in all forms of corrupt government, by which I'm not implying the United States is. But the, the principle should probably be explained to others who don't understand the idea of a retrospective investigation. I, I don't know if other of you can speak to that. Uh, retrospective investigation in regards to what? President Trump? Well, just in general, the idea that we saw in Al Capone, for example, not suggesting that's an individual we, we could condone, but being able to identify you know, a, a tax violation and then go back retrospectively and identify other forms of uh, wrongdoing in order to build a case against chaos it sounds like he's talking about parallel construction which i think you probably know more about than i do parallel construction is the u.s yeah um, internationally um there's a different you know framework of that and i assumed that one of rather you could talk to that well you mean how they okay so not to confuse the audience because it's very 
different, right? But what you're trying to say is, um, how are they able to do it? I'm trying to understand, or are you talking about the tactic? I think the idea that a person who is identified under suspicion and then being brought in through an investigation in which they then find other crimes against the person in order to enforce something is essential to the, the notion of RICO. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, no, I understand, evidence. I understand. Well, well, okay, just so people understand, parallel construction is pretty much how they can hide the original source of evidence. So, for example, let's pretend, this is completely hypothetically speaking, I had communications that indicated that someone from CMN LLC was having conversations with the counterintelligence division of the FBI. Now, I can't put that out because that was not legally sourced unless, you know, somebody whistle blew, right? So let's pretend I saw it on a desk and I took the copy of the email. Or let's pretend I hacked into someone's computer and I got it, right? That would be a big problem, but it's evidence. So how do I conceal that evidence? So what I do is I, I start with the information that I got from that email. And then that is illegal and inadmissible. And if I put it out, I get arrested, you know, and or, you know, warrantless surveillance. Like if I don't have a warrant and I surveil someone like in this situation, right, it's illegal. So I can't bring the evidence that I have been illegally surveilling. So what do I do? I conceal that evidence, I work with the information I get, and then I create a new legal narrative of how the evidence was discovered or how I, you know, I manufacture something to make more evidence appear that agrees with the initial evidence that I have. And this is normal. It does raise a lot of concerns about due process because this is where it hones in on the Fourth Amendment. Like, hold on a second. You got this shit illegally. Then you went about using some freaking narrative and opened up a grand jury that could indict anything. And then you went about doing it the proper way with a national security letter to then come in and, you know, provide subpoenas demanding just to make it look like you were asking me for information. And the fact that I'm denying you information, you're using that against me. So that's basically what happened. So nailed it. Yeah. No, that's nailed exactly it. That's exactly, that's exactly and, and it. Again, Nailed allegedly, it. if such an email communication was in my possession, and allegedly. Of course, this Stressing. never happens. No, it always happens. We saw it just now with President Trump because they got caught. And so, you know, the only missing link here was who the heck was the liaison, you know, and when the company came about, I'm like, all right, this is dodgy. Yeah, there's not going to be a bid but they never had any contracts, but they've worked under these generals that hate President Trump. And I know, in fact, some of the some of the employees of CMN, two of them specifically, I can identify personally that they have worked <laughs> uh, with um, the CIA themselves. So it was quite fascinating to watch it unfold just with one small contract number, all of the pieces that I had fit in place. I knew that they had spied on him illegally. I didn't know the mode they used. You know, I didn't want to say Secret Service did it because that sucks, but that's your first thought because they're the only ones that do surveillance. But then when you see that they did a build out in 2021 and that's when the narrative started to really heat up in the fall, you're just like, hold on a second. And so everything fell into place with Roger Kay, who was retired after 30 years and then rehired after completing his mission. So um, hold on, David. 
Yeah, so my supposition is that would that parallel construction be more effective if, if you could palm it off to another nation state or to an intelligence service or others in a different country who sound credible, you know, especially with the accent I have? <laughs> well, that's what we have right now going on where they're doing their disinformation data compiling. Um, they're actually doing it in London, you know, right, right by Temple. And where Brennan is under the auspices of GCHQ under something called Center Informati, which just popped up, you know, and they're doing that. They use they have to go overseas to spy on you. I mean, I remember that when President Trump was president, my friends down in New Zealand and Australia were telling me that, you know, a bunch of intelligence officials from the U.S. were literally coming in to use five eye systems um, and specifically from New Zealand, because you don't actually have to log on. That's the only country where if you have credentials to just enter the door, you have free running access like no one there's no logger to say hey david was doing it or gavin was doing it or tori was doing it. it's just somebody was looking at it and it was interesting because you saw all of them head that way which was fascinating um uh, troy uh you have your hand up i'm sorry oh you're good you're good i appreciate the space i appreciate the time um i'm gonna i'm gonna try to ask some questions here and i just want to hear what you think um so so this i'm gonna start with this harsh just hook right now and we'll get into the questions the trust me bro uh, abc boys can't be trusted narrative that you're kind of talking about um is is kind of how i'm going to term it and i'll go back to it uh jfk was one of the best presidents and debatably uh gave his life because he talked about secret societies now this trust me bro mentality of trump is the good guy and the abc boys the cia all these people are you know, not on his side to the Secret Service trying to get him. I am not going to believe. I don't believe we had a fair election or a good candidate that hasn't been in these secret societies since JFK. Do you know what floor Trump lives on in his skyscraper? Well, the 66. Uh, do you know what age uh, he was on The View is Donald the Dove, Trump? Well, go ahead. Tell so, us. Oh, I was just wondering because you're a fan. Uh, 33. Do you know what movie he was in so by Troy, any chance? Just so you know. Just so you know um, These are just questions. I, no, I'm not trying ahead, to be bad. No, I just want to point out some points. No, Do you know um, he was in said, a movie? You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You support Trump, right? I, I support his policies. Do you think and, he's a I good mean, president? I do, actually. Do you think he I had the resources? Of, of all the resources to do the job in the healthcare yes. department and the financial department. Troy? Do you agree he person? was wait, in wait, power wait, wait, wait. Troy, Troy. during the COVID pandemic when he took oh, my wow. constitutional right? You're speaking and I want to answer. So first of all, I'm, I'm not a fangirl. Yeah, I'm trying to respond. I'm not a fangirl, okay? I've been through two presidents, Republican and Democrat. I was under their freaking desk. Okay, not like literally like Monica, but you know what I mean. Okay? I know, hon. I, I, I try to keep impartiality key. I'm not a fangirl. I met that man for the first time in my life when I was a kid. And I'll tell you what, for me being a Gen Xer, I know, I, you know, sometimes, you know, I, mm -hmm. I show my age here, right? Um, I can say that uh, there are processes that must yes. occur yeah. 
in certain areas because I've, I've been to um, many organizations myself, right? I've been to CERN twice. I've been to, I've, I say it again and again, I've pissed in a solid gold toilet in an Arab nation, right? With very big people. Does that make me bad? No. That just no. makes me able to speak to the content. Now, there are many things that you have to emulate in order to be accepted in these societies, right? Yeah. Especially but if he's, you want to he's playing with fire person. when he well, does those things, well, right? Well, look, he's well, showing well, his well, alliance well, to them. No, no. And no, we no, do no, not no. have a fair no, vote. When you take my thing. rights and then we concerned about his rights. Wait a minute. How did he take your rights? Explain that. He locked down the country and voided the First Amendment, my freedom okay. of assembly. So let's 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 refocus. So that you're talking 2020. He is did not a complain, king. Did you? This did is you a democracy. Correct. Did you complain about the? No, because it's all rigged. The 2019 it's been rigged since Bush and Gore. It's been rigged the whole time. I don't complain okay. because it's okay. all rigged. I don't vote because it's all rigged. I know it is. Okay. So then it's not a fair vote because he broke the law, just like Biden's son smokes crack with prostitutes so me, and blows up right. the pipeline. Right. Uh, right, Trump right. fucking right. broke the law by taking my you're rights. Right. You're right. One million percent. When are we going to drain percent. the swamp? Who is, who who has broke the law and if is going to be held responsible? And question, when? If you allow me to answer your question, I will provide you your answers because I'm going to put you in a realistic position. Right? He is. Let's your only choice for a Republican. Hey, Troy, can you, uh, can you stop talking for a second, Troy? Really stop and just listen for a second, Troy. He broke the law, right? You say, because he issued a lockdown and he did a mandate. I can tell you out of what, almost like 800, 900, how many people are on here? More than 90% of the people here actually thought they were going to die. Okay, because there was so much propaganda going out. The first damn video coming out of China came from Who Voice created of America. It? The, hold on a second. Voice of America. He's one man, and he assumed that everyone will be doing their job. There is not one qualified individual, not one, that could take the breath of healthcare. Could you just answer my questions? Military. It's, yeah. What's your question? I'm trying to answer it. Did oh, I? I just asked. Who made uh, the COVID uh, virus? Barack, Barack Hussein Obama funded the gain-of-function yep. research in Wuhan. So is and, that a good answer for you? Because I wrote about it. Do politicians take bribes from hedge funds? Yes, they do. Has he been paid by Ken Griffin from Citadel? I don't know. You tell me because I'm not a fan Yes, of he has. He has. Okay. And uh, well, was okay. he... The president, so, or was the IRS and the Troy, other Troy, ABC boys in the administration? Troy, did he have the resources of them when the buy button was taken? Roy, Troy, don't make me listen. I mean, these you are can, these are common you questions. You can't say, right? But right? I appreciate your time. Talking about no, the time the time to have those questions is where we're analyzing his ability to be president. Right now, what we're discussing. Right. Those are right now, those are many ways he no, broke the law no, and reasons no. why treasonous okay. people should be held re responsible and we should have a, a fair candidate. Troy, you have a fair candidate? Spit him out. Tell me who your fair candidate is. Uh, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, uh, okay, you know, bye. Ben Carson. Um, yeah. Okay, I had to remove him because he said Bernie Sanders. And that was it. Like, I can't do that.
I can't entertain someone that gives me pedestrian responses. I'll tell you who the most qualified person to be president is. Someone that has an exceptional IQ, both an intelligence quotient and emotional IQ. And that's pretty impossible because anyone with a high IQ is freaking crazy. Ask me. Okay? We're more impulsive than any other person that has an average IQ. And we have the patience of a fish and the attention span. So no one is going to know every single topic. So can we just stick to this topic, though, of the fact that the fourth unelected branch of government literally is going after one man, which means that he was actually doing his job. So I'm okay with people questioning how he did it. I am upset that he did it because I had more faith in the people. But then in retrospect, I agree with him because I'm sorry, a lot of people aren't smart and they can't see past it. There were people washing their vegetables. They were freaking out that they were going to die and they couldn't see the writing on the wall that it was all about the real ID and getting you to be tagged like an animal with a digital code. You know, no one could see that. I mean, they even advertised their vaccine having a little bit of HIV and everyone ran and got it for a free donut. So I commend him for making that very difficult decision and rolling with the punches, even though I probably wouldn't have had the strength to do it. um, Hey, Tori, I just want to mention that while he jumped in, I got bumped out. So I wasn't able to mute him or anything. Interesting. Hey, Tori, you're a little low, too, if you want to. Uh, I don't know if you have some on your mic or I something. Am. Just okay, a little is that bit. Better? Is that better? Yeah, it's a little bit better. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so who has another question or comment in regards to, you know, the revelations that we've just unmasked the method of how they came to raid President Trump? That, just like David mentioned, was a parallel construction, obtaining evidence illegally by tapping this you know, a contracting company and then placing the right liaison to liaise Secret Service with the company. Anybody? When you say the company, you're talking about um, you're talking about CMN? Yeah, CMN, Mission First. I think they're one and the same. I'm not sure. It could just be that, you know, um, Mitch kind of likes their motto and basically that's why they use it. Okay, someone's saying that they can barely hear me. All right. This should be better, right? Yeah, it's a million times better. Yeah, so yeah, CMN. So that's that's pretty interesting because the the one thing that I see is that President Trump still within his midst has someone and he knows who it is that has a weighted decision in regards to picking the contracting company or the suggestion of beefing up and opening up the surveillance. Um, anyone want to comment on that? I'm just wondering what the grand jury and criminal investigation is like specifically about. Is it going to go back? Cause I, I had someone tell me some interesting documents and back to obstruction on the Russia thing, but like there's so many different stories about it that it's, I mean, originally we talked about nuclear secrets. That's obviously a complete fabrication. So I know it's speculation, but it's like, what is that? What is that grand jury about specifically? You know, because it's not just about it's not just about taking classified documents. It's about the contents or destruction of some contents. I would assume. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the that the agencies have used their nice AI systems and fed them any single document, 
and said, please give us something where we can latch on to. And I think that's the way um, it rolled. But you know what the problem is, is DHS. And it's, it's probably SZA that, um, you know, is involved. You know, Gavin, you had even made mention that it, it could be that chick that was planning the federal coup in the first place. What's her name? Laura Robb. Yeah, what's interesting about Laura Robb is her role as interagency liaison for protecting government buildings and even running drills of people taking over government buildings. How convenient for her to be involved in the Zoom chats with people who are doing uh, simulation exercises for everything that she is supposed to be doing countermeasures for. Yeah, and it was really convenient that, that at that time she was at the FDA, which was, you know, moving to approve all these uh, crazy HIV infused vaccines. So that's interesting. Okay, does anyone else have a question in regards to, um, you know, the things that we've been touching about? You know, that like this is this is a pretty you know, for me, putting this together on paper was really difficult. And I've omitted a lot of information, just like a previous speaker, you know, had said, you know, hey, Nara was doing this and they were doing this, you know, um, and you're right on point, you know, and the missing link was who was the liaison for the contracting company and Secret Service, because I believe no Secret Service agent under oath would ever violate that oath. And that would make sense as to why Robert Roger, I keep calling him Robert, Roger K retired from the Secret Service and then took that role on. That's that's the that's uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, Who would be responsible for the national security letter? Huh? Well, the national security letter is quite interesting, you know, because uh, an NSL letter is a subpoena that's secret. And that's something that they can never mention that they had. Right. So I would say that they got it in March because my source in July told me they got everything they needed by April. And in April, the company itself did like an update just a few months before their contract was out. And, and it's showing on the USA spending.gov that they gave an update on their project in April. And that's where things started to go, you know, heavy footed that the FBI says that they claimed CCTV footage from inside. That was their cover for the CCTV footage that they had in 2021 from source, uh, source from the company. So I think that they provided the NSL letter in March, then gave Trump a subpoena then talked about the footage and, you know, started to the parallel construction thing, which is fantastic um, that was brought up because that is a tactic that law enforcement uses all the time. That's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. I mean, I don't care where you sit. You don't like Trump like Troy, you know, and you don't vote. And yet you're complaining about it. Or if you're a lefty that thinks that you should be able to identify as furniture or, or whatever you want and orange man bad, at the bottom line, how do you feel about the Fourth Amendment being abused to the point? Because if they could do it to a president, you're cakewalk. And the fact that he keeps reiterating that and people aren't understanding that notion drives me nuts. And it's like, you know, maybe, you know, every single day that goes by, it reinforces the notion that I wanted to discount, which is it had to be this way. I'm all about death is not important. Suffering shouldn't be happening. But sometimes, you know, you got to see it to, to, to understand it. Um, IT, I'm sorry. I just went on. 
No, you're awesome. You're good. I, I just, uh, I've been following you a while and I, I think you breathe fire. And um, I guess this is not what I wanted to hear that's happened. Um, how, how do we go about addressing this, do you think? Well, that's a fantastic question. The one thing is, one thing we can do is subpoena congressional documents and communications that they've had with NARA um, from post-election of 2020 up until, you know, um, January of 2020. And or, you know, yeah, I guess or we can sequester it to a more narrow window, which would be November 2020 to February 2020 and see the, the, the written communications and or events that were held with the National Archives. So I think, you know, that's one way that we can, and not sub subpoena, we could FOIA that. That's, that should be available. NARA's not going to like us because we're going to be asking them questions of their stuff. Hey, give me all your visitor logs. I want to see who came in. What do you mean you don't have visitor logs? That's another thing. So, um, so that's to tackle this specific, but to tackle the whole problem at the core, we've got to get rid of electronic voting, period. Um, you know, Amen. that's, that's Thank it. You. That's Amen. It. No machines. That's the only way we fix it. We can complain all we want, right? It's not going to fix when we can't elect people because those that are elected will then ensure that those that are appointed are not. On, on top of that, Tori, we mm. have to get the federal government out of every county in the United States that they're all in through SISA, all on the networks. Yeah, no, I know. Are. I know. We, it's we, sickening. I work yeah. in the industry and I see it and nobody seems to. Give well, a that's a, that's oh. that's one thing we can do. And I and I thought this summer that would be a great project for the people is to uh, demand their secretary of state's to, um, you know, to sue the Department of Homeland Security for uh, violating our Ninth and Tenth Amendments, you know, um, by, uh, you know, um, hijacking our digital sovereignty estates, because none of the state networks now run on state controlled networks. They're all I I found the document for Ohio online this afternoon. Yeah, no, I have that. I'm telling <laughs> it, look, I tell people that Ohio is going to be the first state that does digital voting and everyone laughs. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Are, are you guys not just paying attention? You know, and, and this is why it was very important that the Ohio Secretary of State was, you know, was a race that people should have been paying attention to. But, you know, because his family is intertwined and agencies of Ohio that are for profit and nonprofit are literal World Economic Forum partners. You can't even make it up. They're on their website. And, you know, this is the, you know, as goes Ohio, so does the nation. Yeah, there's credence to that. So thank you for that. Thank, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, Apex? Apex, you have your hand Go up. ahead and mute yourself. Yeah, Tori, thank you for um, being the glue on my sticket notes. Um, being a New Zealander, there's some speculation here around what happened in 2018 and 2000, sorry, between 2016 and 2018, where the, the Pfizer searches were conducted by New Zealand. Do you have any information on that? First of all, all my love to all the Kiwis out there. And, uh, you know, you guys are getting the really big brunt of, uh, you know, this totalitarian state that's starting to spread like HSBC did, like the plague across the world. Uh, could you restate your question? Because you sound far away. Certainly. Um, is it possible? How's the voice here? Is it coming across okay? You're a little quiet. My, my first if you're wearing a headset, take it off. That's what I did. 
Maybe we should come back to Apex. Yeah, when he fixes it. Um, Lashari? Oh, hi, uh, Tori and everyone. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak. Um, well, basically, I'm from Pakistan. And uh, just if that's okay with you, I just wanted to get some thoughts of yours on the foreign policy of uh, South Asia uh, area. And uh, basically, whatever is happening lately there is very similar kind of events taking place with Mr. Um, uh, Ex-Prime Minister Imran Khan and what's happening with um, with President Trump now. Um, his call's been taped and uh, the, the establishment is recording. And like uh, uh, the uh, assassination attempt has been made as well on him, but luckily he got survived. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, uh, it's just ridiculous uh, whatever is happening with Mr. Trump. I think what they're doing with uh, with him, they're just making him even more popular and uh, being more uh, loved as well by people. That's what we see as uh, normal people, whatever who we are watching at the moment from far away, and uh, that he's been um, being treated very unfairly at the moment. Um, Tika for that. Now, um, I, I wanted to say I, I was actually shocked that what they did to Imran Khan flew uh, because, uh, you know, uh, unbeknownst to many, Pakistani intelligence is one of the most dangerous in the sense that they're really good in the world. And I would have assumed that because they are so stealthy and so in control, I mean, your Karachi training centers are off the hook. They're staunch Pakistani patriots. So it was bizarre to see that the agency that you guys have, you know, didn't throw their weight behind Khan. I found that shocking because it was at that time that they were more emboldened not to be, you know, and, and I'm saying this with 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 full respect because, you know, I am an American citizen and I love my country. So an emboldened, you know, ISI, you know, will kick, you know, <laughs> anybody's butt. And for anyone that doesn't know that, you should do your homework on Pakistani intelligence. These people are insanely good, um, especially when it comes to a cyber. Everybody keeps talking about Russia and, and, and China, but, uh, you know, they're the ones that nobody talks about. They're very good. So, uh, you know, it seems like the corporations – um, have started to throw their weight around. And uh, this is exactly what we are seeing. Their weight being thrown around, um, uh, garnering um, support for that 1% globalist academic elites that think they know best. And they also talk just like Troy did. You know, these elites that speak as if they know best, you know, your Bernie Sanders, your professors, your your UN, you know, clowns, right? Um they dislike people that want to empower people. And Khan was doing just that. You know, he, he was popular. He's good looking. So he's easy on the eyes. He's articulate. He's well-traveled. And just like President Trump, yeah, he doesn't know a lot about healthcare except for like when he goes to the doctor or whatever he interacted with his family. But he's going to appoint the best and they were getting on really well with each other. Trump yeah, and Imran well, Khan. They, well, that's because... Both of them. Yeah, and Biden, and Biden's ad ad administration, they absolutely made a chaos out of this. I mean, 
trust me, I'm not uh, sorry to cut you off, Tori. Just to let you know that uh, over there, millions of Pakistanis people, they know that they're literally despising Americans the way they have toppled Khan's government. And that's just because of this Biden's administration. I mean, well, Lashari, let me just tell you something. Let me tell you something. The way I see it, and I'm, you know, I I dabbled very little in e- Asian politics, geopolitics, right? I only, but you know, participated in like two projects, right? And 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 I actually have been to Pakistan once to get fixed, and two to go to your place in Karachi, right? And you know, a lot of Gauris like me don't go there, right? But. I have to say that the problem isn't so much your Pakistani establishment and the corporations or China. It's actually India. So Modi made one big mistake, right? I think he, he, but the mistake in the sense of, you know, using the Kashmir and, you know, and, and all of that, I think his blind spot is, you know, the Shias that are, you know, right by the Chinese border, that's going to bite him in the ass because he's trying to appease while he's trying to defend. And because his population is so big, it was more attractive to kind of try to put Modi in a box and have him go along with the United Nations so that way he can maintain the influx of income and jobs that India has taken from these global corporations, right? But at the same time, I think he's trying to pivot in a way and it's going to bite him in the ass. We're going to see India you know, have severe issues, you know, in about two years, because instead of them coming to some discussion, you know, with Pakistan and having these, you know, conversations, uh, I think that's where the problem lies. It was the the Mahdi shutdown. Um, you know, I say this sometimes to people. I remember I was in a room with a bunch of people um, and we were looking at one specific region in um in Africa. And, uh, (laughs) and then they were like, holy shit, do you remember that time when out of the blue India and Pakistan started shooting missiles? And it was then that I realized that people even in high positions, um, you know, don't know the capabilities of other nations. So I'm making that point to you, Lashari, because you know, that that's something that Pakistan should be paying attention to, too. You know, if anything, the whole con ousting and you know was was more so um because of the indian side of the conversation this is my assessment because i can see what india the moves that they're trying to make and how they're trying to you know come into the african side you know for the past decade you know in a a very subtle way you know to kind of play off of china and, you know, population size matters in strategic decisions. And I believe that, you know, they strong armed Mahdi um, with his economy uh, during this, you know, fake, this blown up pandemic that was purposeful to get that done. You know, this pandemic, while everyone thinks it's just, you know, to get us on the system, it was for them to get things done that normally, if they were happening in normal times, would not fly. Um um, thank you for that, Lashari. Uh, just one question, uh, Tori. Thank you so much. It was very, very, very informative, whatever you said. Just one last question uh, to you. that what, what do you think that if the establishment is not letting both these guys, Imran Khan and Trump, 
to even uh, come in elections. And they are just trying either while you have already seen what happened with Mr. Khan and he barely survived from his assassination attempt. So, I mean, where do you see where the people? I mean, uh, that's what I see in Pakistan. That's like a soft coup uh, at the moment there. So uh, they are not even holding elections and they have put like these puppets, the most corrupt people in the government over us. So how do you see this like rolling out now in future? Like, do you think uh, Trump and uh, Mr. Khan would be able to go in elections? Because the people, the public is about 80 to 90 percent are with them. That's what I see. Right. Well, um, I, I think I, I don't know how Pakistan in the past four years, if you guys have shifted off of the systems on how you vote, but that's key. The more control the people have over voting, uh, the more uh, your voice is heard. So that's number one. But I believe the rest of the world, even Western nations that are, you know, just flabbergasted with what's happening, are just looking to America to see what happens. And, um, you know, it might sound very optimistic, right? But there's no more scripts for them to play. They've pulled their last card. And I know while in other nations, you know, kind of like Japan, assassination attempts what about assassinations abi was badass you know gone the other pm from japan shot like and no one's talking about it they're pretending like you know poop doesn't smell and and no one's looking at what the actual issues are at hand you know the slaughters that are happening the assassinations the new borders that are being drawn redrawn you know all of this is happening but it's what america does that sets the tone because the world is watching us right now because we have been morphed into now this is for the people not geopolitically right this is just the average person sees america as a leader in things and so you know if they if the average person your mom dad your your blue collar worker white collar worker cubicle guy sees the american nation as damn you know paved of golden roads and they could do anything they want if we fail it's game over. So this is more of, you know, a wait and see game because if America can actually get it done, then it's game over, you know? And, and, and that's, what's important because, you know, I, and, and I'm glad and I'm, and, and it comforts me to see that people of nations like in Sudan or, you know, Iraq or Iran have realized that it wasn't the people of America that did it. So I believe that this exposure of all this corruption is necessary so that they think twice before pulling the trigger, you know, from a start nuke or uh, start a war. That's very important because, you know, a lot of people, when I tell them, you know, other nations, they laugh at Americans. They call us stupid. They call us dumb. And it's like, you don't live here to be bombarded by propaganda, to have no information access, to be to be to feel excluded if everyone's going right and you're going left. Right. Um, you know, maybe because I'm me, I really don't care what anyone thinks of what direction I take. Right. Um, but a lot of people do. And and I'm almost in, in a sense comforted by the fact that all these nations get to see everything America is doing through what President Trump did. So that way there is mercy when it comes to making decisions and not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like I said, Russia has shown clear restraint. 
you know, with the fake missile attack that the U.S. did to the Nord Stream pipeline blow up, they could have annihilated us in a heartbeat. And all of us would have been like, you know, thinking, oh, my gosh, am I going to give birth to a three eyed baby? Right. With the radiation, we could have been done. This would have been over. This would have been their SIOP completed, but it hasn't. And I think one of the most biggest achievements, aside from showing the American people that, hey, you're, you're living in a bubble that they've constructed, pay attention, um, was showing the world, hey, these people are really good and they love you and they don't like these things and they're against it. You know, so future wise, take that in mind. This is this is my assessment. And, and that that kind of brings me comfort. It's like sucking my thumb thinking of those thoughts. So, you know, for that, uh, you know, I am forever grateful for President Trump taking on the task to do this. Um, so thank you for that, Lashari. Um, call Charles. Your hands up. Oh, yeah. Just on the topic of Pakistan. Uh, do you think the Imran, the Awan brothers were Pakistani intelligence or whatever happened there? Like, I just, I'm curious, I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Oh my gosh, Gavin, do you want to jump in on this with the whole Pakistani intelligence underneath Eric Holder's building? Uh, you could, (laughs) I was actually, um, you should touch on that, but something I think you should circle back to. I know it's been kind of a dead story, but like, I don't think it should be. You know. No, it's a good it's a good one to bring up. But I think after you address that, I was gonna suggest you bring up um how there wasn't a whistleblower. The whole Eric Saramella Cer- thing was a complete sham for essentially the NSA spying on Trump. Uh, oh oh well yeah. I mean that was what you know, the other and we should be using these words and I don't you know I don't mean to sound, you know, rude or anything saying this, but when I speak, I, I, Gavin knows, I, you know, I speak differently to Gavin than I do to my audience or the general public because I want to be mindful at, you know, uh, what kind of eyes and ears are, are in the vicinity, right? Not everyone is at the same level. So the correct term is called parallel construction, but that was them using Eric Sierra to cover up the fact that they were wiretapping the White House. And, uh, you know, I kept saying it's a wiretap. I kept saying it's a wiretap. And I was like, it's a wiretap. There is no whistleblower. So they manufactured an alleged whistleblower to cover the wiretap. Kind of like what we saw with the Marlago thing. They had illegally obtained footage. So then they went into legally obtained footage and then brought it on to the grand jury to get it done. So um, that was fantastic. And in regards to the Awan brothers, you're right, Call Charles. We need to bring that up because that was ISI. Um, in fact, Eric Holder has his law firm buildings down there. When they were interviewing General Flynn, because, you know, he went to Holder's firm first, right? There were people literally in the basement recording the conversations and sending them back through the basement where ISI is. In the same buildings, Huma's parents have the the Brotherhood offices too, so that's pretty bizarre. But uh, that should be a topic for another time. I agree. Yeah, all right, we'll say we'll say that one. Any other questions? Because I should be popping off soon. Let me, I'm, I'm dropping some of you to get some other people on. We've got five requests. Maybe we should have. Yeah, I know. I am trying to get it in so that way I can go. Okay. You can drop me. Thank you, IT. I appreciate you. 
Thank you. Um, okay, we've got Bob. And um, thank you, Tori. Yeah, I've got to go as well. Thank you so much. For your thank time. you, Lashari. I appreciate you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Always love hearing from people in Pakistan. They're going through hell right now. So, um, okay, who's up next? NFT Cry. Any questions on the article and the topics of discussion? Hey, what's up? Um, it's NFT Crypto Keys. Um, my name is Mark Keith, and I don't know how much I want to say. Um, I'm trying to be successful, so I know the ladder of not saying too much and fighting the system, uh, especially with the position that I'm in in crypto. Um, it's very interesting, but um, I do want everyone. Well, to- well, let's just say it is interesting. What do you think about Nigeria deploying? cryptocurrency for the whole nation when a lot of their people don't even use phones. I mean, they have really good internet because we all get those Nigerian Prince emails, right? But it's only a handful of them that actually, you know, utilize, um, you know, cryptocurrency. I think it's like less than like 0.4%. What are your thoughts on that? All right. So that is very interesting. So if someone has used crypto a lot, um, to them, it's it would be very beneficial and i actually i have a company and i pay a couple people in nigeria through ethereum and bitcoin but um but people that can't access it it's like it's backwards but also another thing so here in america they're starting to um the choke point i don't know if you guys heard about that i've seen articles about that for the last many months um they're trying to do um a choke point in crypto and they stopped me wait from- wait nft cry let me just put a, a, a hiatus there because I actually have to go to a meeting um, in a bit. We, I know that America Mission, they work with NFTs. That would be a fantastic topic to, to, to bring on to them. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Dustin Stockton and Millie Weaver, they host spaces every day. I think that would be a key topic to talk about the choke points and the economy on that. Um, because they do fantastic work in in that area, and and Dustin's pretty well versed in in crypto. I'm pretty much, you know, I get kicked out of casinos for count, counting cards, so um, I use it, you know, wisely. So I'm gonna have to stop you there because I just saw the time and I freaked out just now. So I'm so sorry for that. I apologize. Uh, um, no I apologize. Um, thanks for letting me up. And uh, I appreciate you. Just remember me. Maybe one day you'll hear my full story. It's, it is very fascinating. I would love that, actually. Thank you. Okay. Um, who's up next? I'm trying to make room. Okay. Modern natives. Do you want to say anything? Does anyone want to say anything? I'm like, I added everybody. Who- Hello. Can you hear me? Hey. I can hear Hello, you. My name is Bob. I'm out of West Virginia. Hi, Bob. You're lucky in West Virginia. You have a candidate, Congressman, um, candidate Congressman Nate Kane. Nate Kane, that's correct. Yep. That's what's up. Now, I'm in Berkeley County. I'm over more towards the eastern panhandle. But anyway, um, I love everything you've done for us, Tori, and and all your supporters and all your friends and everybody. So, so great. Before I found out about you, I was just as lost as everybody still is a lot of people still are anyway i have a question about roger stone because i saw you mentioned him at the end towards the end of the article do you think he really has anything 
I mean, as far as influence on President Trump still, because I don't think President Trump would even listen to anything that he would say. But I could be wrong. Well, one person told me that, you know, if his mouth is moving, he's lying. And this is coming from very tight inner circles. So I don't know. Um, I want to say no, but I can't speak for other people. Right. But I do know that he had cut a deal with the federal government to avoid legitimate financial crimes. That was actually leaked a little bit with tax and whatever. So, you know, and I find it odd that he's, you know, both supporting President Trump, but he's also in Robert Kennedy Jr.'s campaign. Um, and I mean, he always skirts the dark and light. But for me, the, 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 the point of no return is, um, you know, um, when he revealed that he had a deal. And that was, you know, with his targeted attacks to Millie Weaver because of a, a graphic. And she said nothing wrong about him. But the graphic, I believe, um, hindered uh, the balance that he had to maintain uh, this agreement whatever it may be. And uh, that was for me, the tipping point, you know, people that are trying to help their country and you're supposedly on the side of the country, why are you attacking them? And, you know, he unleashed his child grooming, uh, you know, twinkle toes, you know, on, on, on Millie and obviously me, you know, and uh, that for me was the last straw. And then when I saw him promoting someone where there was ample evidence that he's a child groomer and an asset, right, um, to stand next to my president on a day that should have been the most amazing Patriots Day ever that that also assisted in the trampling of that day. Well, I, I have no kind words to say on that. For me, you know, he should just retire because I don't want my president being an, another tattoo on his back. So that's how I wow. feel. That's a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. always get the truth. I mean, I feel like with you, I'm, oh, how is it you say you always have the receipts? So, <laughs> well, this one, the receipt was, you know, all the other receipts meant nothing unless I had the contract. So, you know, that's where it came from. You know, you could know what's going on, but without something to tie the I know this, you know, on open source. You know, uh, so God was great to just bring that across my eyes out of the thousands of things I see every minute. So thank you for that. Okay, thank you so much. And it's really a pleasure to speak with you. And oh, my gosh, just I'll try to remember to state my history because I'm definitely nowhere near your uh, your intelligence level or anything. I'm a maintenance technician. I I fix machinery for a living. You know, that's okay. See, you you do that. I don't (laughs) see that's what I'm saying. Everybody has their superpower. Mine is just connecting patterns. Yep. That's, that's the only yep. thing, you know, but that's I try all to share I can do you is with everybody I work with and everybody I meet. I try to, I have a sticker I made of myself, you know, tour says.com on the back of my car. Oh, thank you, Bob. You know, anything we can I'm, do because man, we just got to wake this nation up. It's too many people still asleep. I just want to impeach 44. That's, yep. that, that's my jam right okay. there. We've got the president, well, too. So thank again, you. Again, <laughs> thank you so much. God bless you. Thank God you. I appreciate you. you. God bless yeah. you. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Um, unapologetic Christian. Hey. Okay. Uh, I'm also walking out the door myself. That's why I had to keep joining and dropping off and joining. Okay. I, I just wanted to throw up the articles uh, up in the nest there for those that don't know you. Uh, with the wiretap stuff. So I did that. Uh, and let's see. 
my only question now is, what's up with the tattoo on um, Roger Stone's back with Nixon? Like, is that symbology for something? I know that tattoos are maps, right? Uh, is there anything that you can say on that? No, um, nothing that I would be able to from a point of knowledge. I mean, I don't want to, I can speculate all I want, but, you know, nothing from point of, I just find it creepy anyway, even when someone puts their boyfriend's face or <laughs> kid's face. I mean, that's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Dude, or I don't know. It could have been the alcohol that did it, right? Because, hey, I got a tattoo that I didn't want anymore. So, you know, whatever. Um, so I can't speak to that. But Fair thank enough. you. Thank you very much, Dana. Yes, no problem. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Sandra, you have your hand up. Hi. I'm just wondering if they were surveilling Mar-a-Lago, wouldn't Trump have his own surveillance there as like a counter surveillance? Wouldn't they have the information and check the dates on when people came in and left? Okay. Wait, what are you talking about? Which dates that they came in at Mar-a-Lago? The feds? Yes. Okay, so just so you understand, uh, President Trump, president, for the rest of his life, he has Secret Service, right? Secret Service takes over every single lock in his house, every window, every camera, every wire, and every phone, right? So the surveillance system he had was then Secret Service's surveillance system. So at some point, someone suggested to President Trump that there needs to be an expansion. That is how this contracting company was hired to either increase security, change security, expand security, or somewhat. And that was a segue in. So yes, he has surveillance, but even if he had backup surveillance, Secret Service would have that too. And the technicians that came to build on it would too. All they needed was to place the appropriate wiretaps, the appropriate, you know, wiring um, so that it doesn't feel heavy on exit. You know, there's certain wiring that you can use. And I think there was a purchase order for that wiring in that link that I put up there. So, and all of that came from DC. So, so yeah, so that's how, um, you know, it would be. Now he saw them on camera because they didn't turn them off, but the point is not watching them, right? Because if you're mm. controlling the camera systems, you could probably delete them too without anyone detecting. I mean, you're the architect of the, you know, surveillance system. You can do anything. You just have to do it the right way so you're not detected. So um, that's basically it. I hope I answered that question. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you. And um, Jacques, do you have your hand up? Hey, Tori. I uh, just want to say I love you. Thank you for doing everything. Uh, I'm going to read that article very thoroughly when we get home. It looks like the deep state is at it again with their usual tricks. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, it's the same thing from Spygate all over again, just different players, right? Yeah, well, like this time, yeah, they spied, and then they had to use the information they spied, so they had to create a scenario where they can segue it in. So I agree. <laughs> but they got yeah. caught. And then uh, and a couple other things just... You know, I know you got to go, and I'll, I'll just be quiet after this. Um, first of all, the president's classification authority is absolute, and I would argue that it extends beyond his presidency. So he gives declassification authority on everything he did in his presidency, even after he's out of office. Otherwise, we can start going after presidents for writing memoirs and revealing talks with other nations and things like that. Second thing is on the election stuff. 
uh, everybody here, if you really want to get involved with that, your state legislature has plenary sole power to determine the time, places, and manner of election. They don't need anyone else's permission. A simple resolution from both chambers or one chamber, depending if you're by or unicameral, will be enough to set the election law in your state. If they want to kick DHS out, they just need a resolution. They don't even need a bill. Your governor doesn't need to sign it. Your Supreme Court can't hear it. It is, it is the sole power of the state legislature. So just remember that, be empowered with that, and, and use that. And with that, uh, oh, and Roger Stone's back probably looks like a goofy dog now. And with that, I'll leave it up. And uh, Tori, more Drago soon. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, uh, that, that, that is stellar. I know that the state of Louisiana, uh, because of the pressure that they were putting on their secretary of state, you guys, he even said it in an interview. He said, I'm not going to run because of all of these conspiracy theorists. And it's like, shit, Louisiana brought it home. So that was amazing. So, um, we should hold another space again, but I really urge you guys to read that and take a look. I did drop a nugget in regards to Eagle um, services. That's something that we should be keeping on our, our eye on um, more so on the Alvin Bragg side and Georgia side, just throwing out some nuggets. Um, you know, that's something that I'm going to be deep diving into. Um, I should be putting up my clapper analysis video and i know a lot of people see a lot of these mini docus that i do which is stringing along a lot of information over years right that is being done uh you know uh sometimes i do it myself sometimes there's just these amazing people like tax or broken anthem and it's all crowdsourced because the people put them together but it's important for people to understand oh i've seen this before yeah but have you seen it in sequence with this to make sense because just like data right? Well, it is data. Information is data. If it's not sequestered under one hat, you can't see the full picture. And sometimes you need it in tandem with something else. So that way you understand because standalone, it says one thing standing next to something else. It says something else. So it's very important that when we uh, observe, um, uh, I, I would say actions that we're seeing now, political moves to kind of like take a step back and think, where have I seen something like this before? Sometimes it's in a movie. And you'd be surprised. And I've said this before, you know, over 90% of the film industry is written by very smart mathematicians and or intelligence analysts, right? Because this is how we shape the thoughts of society by enter through entertainment. So, and if it's not a movie, but it's a historical document, take a look. And what worked in one country may be flipped and changed a little bit to fit in another. So, um, in respects to the witch hunt against President Trump, I mean, they literally illegally spied on him, tried to cover it up, and they got caught. So it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating. So on that note, Gavin, do you have something to add? Because you've been integral in keeping me uh, sane at times, especially when I'm trying to put together, you know, I try to coordinate all the chaotic events down to, uh, you know, a sustenance as much as it can, um, stream of flow of things, uh, which is very difficult when there's so much you have to say um, and you want to just bring it home. No, I think it was a very interesting discussion. I really enjoyed listening to a lot of the people who chimed in and it just goes to show that there's no level of intelligence, right, or information 
that the people can't handle. And we really need to, to mentally prepare ourselves for actually being adults and taking our country back properly as adults. And the one thing I will say is the thing I fear about all the chicanery going on with the Biden administration spying on Trump and this just being an extension of the nonsense that happened while Trump was in power is how does this look to foreign intelligence? How does this look to foreign military? And I think that that should be the biggest wake-up call for all of us is we look like asses and we're sitting ducks and we're ripe for the picking if we don't take control of our country. So that's about how I would wrap this up. You know, I agree because, you know, uh, we are trained to think that people that have um, brick and mortar training or the academics or, or nerds that have been blessed with superpowers are better than everyone else. And they're not right. It's the collective as a nation. And like you said, we got to put our big boys and big girl panties on and boxers, underwear, briefs, whatever men like to wear these days. <laughs> it keeps changing um, because if we want to actually self-govern, we have to be ready to do it. And in order to be able to do it, we have to see just how, you know, unkempt, our government is running with no checks and balances and the checks and balances are us. And in fact, to dinner tonight, which I'm already late for, and apparently a pianist has just played Tiny Dancer and I missed it. I'm going to be wearing a T-shirt that says, in my defense, I was left unsupervised. And this is exactly where our nation is. We have left it unsupervised. We were so busy picking out backsplashes and getting the latest hair done and handbags and, you know, what's the next show and filling up our DVR with a bunch of stuff that, um, you know, we lost the plot. We left our nation unsupervised and this is, and these are the results. And um, I, um, I would like to say before we close, Hey Gavin, when are we doing an existentialist time travel, like actual physics talk? That's calling good. you out publicly. We got to get this done. <laughs> That's good for like late night after kids are in bed and able to really just hash things out. I did. I did a little bit of that last night with um, some of the with one not of the your spaces. friend. Like I was so busy in the article. <laughs> like you know, that's like my thing. But we really need to do one where it's technical, where we actually have you know people like even even um what's his face mario narfall mm -hmm. he dabbles in in predictive analytics he has a company uh a company we should have him on and we should all be talking about you know the 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 repercussions and the dangers that can happen when technology like this is either super open sourced or not open sourced how do you find the right medium well my biggest concern is that it, like with the predictive analytics, right? I've I've met and hung out with a lot of people in the intelligence community that are both what I would consider new school, right? Like people that are like Gen X or a little younger. And then I know a lot of the old timers that are in their 70s and 80s. And the difference between the two groups is apples and oranges. And the old timers, they didn't have predictive analytics like they do now. They didn't have all this spoon-fed intelligence apparatus. They actually had to know how to do the craft. And it bothers me how much dependence there is on the analytics, the behavioral analytics. Because 
it's it's to me it's a giant blind spot and that's the reason why I'm you know when I was in Turkey I was shown that you and you'd never expect it but you've got you've got a homeless guy sitting out front of the hotel begging for money you've got a shoe shiner you got a bellhop and you've got the maids doing the cleaning and stuff and the guys with was like no watch sit here and just observe and what I saw was that there was actually a spy network between the beggar, the bellhop, and the 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 what do you call it? The guy that when you walk into a hotel and they're like, "Oh, hi, hello," right? Like, and that they that was had, me. And they had the ability for information to migrate away from the hotel through the bazaar into like maybe some random uh, area and to see that level of hands-on, boots-on-the-ground, old-school technique in comparison to how what we would say Western intelligence does it, it's a big concern of mine. This is probably why the, mm-hmm. the Pakistanis are so good. Is they're probably, they're old school. Yeah, exactly. They're not dependent on all the, the trinkets and you know shiny new objects. Well, that's the thing. They're so dependent on it that they get you know cucked out by Gen Xers you know, that have worked with both tools. And, and, you know, that, that's a big problem in our intelligence community. We have a bunch of soy boys. And now, you know, I I think it was after 2005, like the hiring, the hiring recommendations for people that would actually be in the field uh, doing covert intelligence actions were all freaking psychos. So, I mean, you have to be a little bit psycho or you have to be dumb like I was because I was extremely intelligent, but you know, I always wanted to be, you know, a waitress on roller skates. So when that was my internship, I did it really well because I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be able to do this again. <laughs> I'm a waitress on roller skates. Look at me. Or, you know, the 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 concierge or whatever. So, um, yeah, things have changed in the intelligence community. But we need to do a space on actual mathematics slash physics, like super nerd lecture level stuff. And then we need to do one with buff on what's going on in the Middle East. Because, you know, right now, if I was Israel, I'd be shitting in my pants. Can we still ask your question, or did you... <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, because I'm... I've been waiting, like, 25 minutes. Um, just real quick, I just wanted to say, like, um, there's there's so... And when you were talking about uh, people at different levels of understanding, real quick, and this is a comment, I'll let you go. I know you gotta go. Um, the, I, I see so many people that like you always talk about standing up and like we need to do this with the machines. I think a lot of people just need a little bit of direction, like as far as how they can help, because there's so many people that have woken up and want to do things, but they haven't. You know, they've like you said, they've been picking out backsplashes and watching sports for the last thirty years, and they they don't know like how to go about it. And you know, I've been listening to you for like three, three or four years now. I I got you, but. I, there's so many people I know that have been turned on to you or other people. And maybe you've got so many people in your network that could help with that too. Like maybe like a coordinated attack, like everybody writing letters at the same, I don't know, but there, there's so they many They did people. that though. They did that though, sweaty. They did that. Remember, I know, I know. The, OSHA, the OSHA, when, when they were fighting OSHA at SCOTUS, they used the people's letters to, 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 to litigate that, right? Like I said, Louisiana just got their Secretary of State stepped down because they were relentless, right? You know, the, people are making change. You know, all the cool warrantos they filed opened up the floodgates 
for lawsuits to be filed to use that to see what the responses were and how they responded and where the errors were or hey they crafted this really good argument we could pull it and use it there so nothing you know every attempt is even every every win comes with multiple failures anyone telling you that they win at first go are liars you have to no, fail I know. So I'm saying let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. Yeah, that's it. what's and, up. And there's so that's many up. people that, like I, like I said, that are new that that like just just don't know how to go about it. So, yeah, um, I, I think everyone should be writing letters to their Congress and Senate and say, hey, what's going on here? Did you guys illegally spy on Trump again? What's up with the Fourth Amendment? Is that like being wiped out? You know, you guys already passed legislation allowing troops to be quartered if we're within 100 miles of the border. There goes that amendment. Can we like, you know, our Bill of Rights are being freaking chipped away every second. You're not taking the Fourth Amendment away from us. And the Fourth Amendment argument is one that has been longstanding. But I really have to go. Gavin, we really need to get Buff on to talk about Middle East, okay? Do we hey, will... a message. <laughs> Somebody ban me on your chat, so help me out. Bye. Okay, thanks. What'd you say, Gavin? <laughs> We're going to have to have an offline discussion on how many, you know, should we just invite Five Eyes in and just let them... Dude, oh my god. If he's on here with me, that's going to be insane. That's the only show that I did that I had so much throttle that shit was downloaded from so many locations multiple times. It's ridiculous. Um, Cause we, we had that middle East conversation that was, yeah. that was outside and completely naked. So um, I think we need that now that, you know, the, the, the Arabs have. Well, I was going to say what might be interesting is see if you'd be willing to have a conversation about Sudan. That's what's up. Well, we all know it was just the last spot we had. And I mean, again, this just shows the deficiencies we have at the state department, which is ridiculous. All they know is how to cheat, lie and spy and tell us what to do. And it's not going to work anymore. So Gavin, thanks for co-hosting with me. I appreciate you. Uh, thanks for everyone who joined. Um, please take that information, fact check it yourself and take a look. Um, if you look, there are reports from 2021 about footage, about witnesses, about AIDS, because sometimes, you know, they, like Hillary said, people forget if you just quash them with other stuff, right? She was right. So thank you, Gavin, for that. I appreciate you. All right, Tori, have a good night. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Have a thank good night. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Uh, calls and then host. I just followed up a few and if you can give me a follow by, that'd be great. Thank you very much. You, I, I can't wait to see you again. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Love you.